It's Friday, April 1st, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Humble Pillow Farmer and the entire apparatus that is the MyPillow family. We love them, and they love the fact that you are going to have the best night's sleep you've ever owned when you head over to MyPillow.com forward slash steak. You got MyPillows, $19.99, MySlippers, 50% off, and Giza Dream Everything. Six-piece sets as low as $39.99 when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. Hit up the website or talk to a qualified pillow representative via the telephone, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, not ready to give somebody that Mossberg swerve, you can get those ears taken care of and done right. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating, and he's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies. He's got a newly redesigned, easy-to-use website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. You can hit him up on Facebook Messenger or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off-duty, they're wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. T-shirts, sweatshirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on duty. Plus, I got a pretty fire IG. Videochromatic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair for everyone that likes to be that much extra at the range. Home of the zero fucks duck. Dumpbox.us. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. They're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our new Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now Truth Social, welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 121. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hello, guys. And she's not muted for once. 
Guys, we've got an amazing That's for twice. episode of the show for you guys today. Special treat, maybe even a stay exclusive. No? Okay. Gave you, gave, I lobbed you a beach ball. You don't want to press it. Nope. Perfect. <laughs> We're going to be joined by both Cash Patel and Amanda Milius. But before Ooh. we get to that, let's get into the news. How are you guys doing today? Good. Excited for the weekend. What about you? I remember weekends. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing good. A little tired as usual, but uh, I think we're going to bang out a good one, to say well, the I'm, least. I'm permanently tired all the time, but I try to be optimistic. There you go. Yeah, I'm having a good day. Hypothetically speaking, if I was a member of the armed forces, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be getting kicked out now. Oh, that's good to hear. For now. Ooh. Well, congratulations to your imaginary self. Yeah, right? The Hunter Biden... Uh, Laptop shit is really laptoping. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> Remember when it wasn't a thing? Remember when it was Russian disinformation? After being out of the news cycle for 538 days, the New York Times and the Washington Post have finally 538 days. Where did you get the number? Well, I got it from the Legacy Media because every <laughs> single one that wasn't MSNBC or CNN had been promoting that number. But yeah, after being well, they were promoting it as like 538 days since they brought up this bullshit Russian disinformation. And that's exactly what they what they said it was. And uh, yeah, it was it was definitely not real until it was. And uh, real now. Now it's back and better than ever before. <laughs> I'll have to forward you a text later. So we're gonna get into the uh, the house hearings that they had on it. While our show was wrapping on Tuesday, we're going to get a full recap on that. Vish sent me a text message from Congressional Office of Matt Gates, where they were cloning copies of it to distribute to media outlets and I want a copy. Other can people in the House and Senate. I've asked several times. We'll have Vish on the show next week. We can hit him up. Maybe a signed copy for the studio. That'd be nice. I'd love a signed. Is it like you know, send a self-addressed stamped hard drive to this address? <laughs> I-, I want him to. From Russia with love. Ooh. Vishbara. Yeah. So, Vish, if you're listening. Maybe we could get Hunter Biden to paint something on it. Mm. <laughs> with the straw. <laughs> I think Matt Gates gave the spiciest commentary and demands from up on the bench during those hearings. But we're going to start taking a little bit back because we're kind of painting a picture for today. We're going to have Cash on and Amanda plot against the president. Russiagate was a thing. Um, well, first it wasn't a thing, then it was. After they uh, did a lot of hard work with Devin Nunes. But we all know that the president was spied on now, both during the campaign, Trump Tower, and via the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy was like, they're going to give his title. He's like the assistant director of FBI cybersecurity. So like jerk off number three. Um, and you could tell... Well trained, or probably was hired and promoted because he gave the same answers that most of the people who work in the Biden administration don't give. Are we like, are we really going to go there? I don't have that data, and I was not aware of that. But enough of me. I do not recall. Let's hear him actually say it himself. Has the FBI taken new steps since 2017 to ensure that private government contractors do not? abuse access to sensitive U.S. government data stores for self-serving purposes, including political purposes. 
Sir, I'm not familiar with the background of your question. Yeah. Well, it, the yeah. DOJ claims in, in court that Rodney Jaffe, uh, a.k.a. Tech Executive One, oh, okay. exploited sensitive DNS data reflecting Internet traffic to and from Trump Tower, to and from Donald Trump's personal residential apartment building, and the executive office of the president. He allegedly affiliated with Clinton campaign officials, including Michael Sussman, who had been a, a cyber t a lawyer at the DOJ, and tech researchers at Georgia Tech to fabricate plausible-sounding but false allegations about connections between Trump and a Russian bank before the election in 2016 and then after the election about the use of a Russian-made phone. Both of these were scams. Mr. Sussman fed them to the FBI at the highest levels while concealing his political mo motives. So that's the background. And the question is, has the FBI taken new steps since 2017 to see that um, these awesome stores of sensitive data that U.S. has are not being exploited for political purposes by private contractors. Sir, I mean, compliance is obviously important to us. And, you know, just taking a little bit broader view, we've obviously taken a lot of reform steps um, over the past couple years. Many of them have been in the public, whether it's FISA, Woods, 702. Okay, so not um, spying so on people. I can't mm. speak specifically to your question. I don't know the answer. But the Bureau has taken a lot of reform steps through that time period that all have been discussed in public forums such as this and in the media. Well, you, you mentioned FISA, Woods, 702. So I think you're talking about the Woods file abuse in the FISA applications. I don't think I'm asking about that. Can you think of any uh, reforms that have been taken specifically to see to it that this kind of private contractor abuse of these data stores can't happen? Sir, not at this moment, I cannot. Hmm. Um, what are the cybersecurity implications of a private company being able to intercept internet traffic to and from the White House? Sir, I I'm not here to talk about those Look, matters. Look, you, you've said what you're here not to talk about. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a member of Congress asking you for something within your knowledge is a question you're bound to answer, sir. Do you know what the cybersecurity implications are of data being intercepted into and out of the White House? Do I know what the cybersecurity implications are? I, if you're asking me if I know what the policy this is, this guy definitely drew the short straw. When we can oh, and yeah. cannot. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you what the implications are, the national security implications of intercepting data in and out of the White House and a private company having access to that. Yes, in general terms, yes. There, there are exposures from that, wouldn't you agree? Yes, sir. This article from the Wall Street Journal entitled Durham Probe Reveals Government Access to Unregulated Data Streams, February 26, uh, 2022. Mm. Have you seen that article? No, sir, I have not. It relates uh, that the latest developments in the high-profile high criminal probe by Special Counsel John Durham show the extent to which the world's Internet traffic is being monitored by a coterie of network researchers and security experts inside and outside of government. Oh, uh, there are concerns, obviously, about the privacy implications of private cybersecurity companies being able to tap into the web traffic and then give that data to government at any particular level without warrants or court orders. In what ways does the FBI rely on this kind of data in their investigations? Sir, as I said earlier today, the, uh, uh, when you look uh, at private sector broadly defined, but when you look at private sector a little bit more narrowly defined about who provides infrastructure for networks, servers, computers, et cetera, those network providers obviously see a lot of traffic. They see my personal traffic, they see your personal traffic on a very routine basis. We have subpoena processes that we go through to 
request that information when it's relevant to an investigation. Oh, there it uh, is. So that is how we interact with those companies on a routine basis from an investigative perspective. Well, my time's about to expire. What this article relates is that a lot of that information can be accessed without warrant. And that's exactly the problem I'm talking about. You've spoken two times to the priority given to the FBI at the highest level to the imperative of protecting the rights of Americans, particularly First Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights. And I'm looking for some indication that those are more than empty words, more than just a platitude. Uh, I'm stunned that uh, above all the things we've talked about today, that you can't even speak to something that an abuse that is out in public based on allegations of the, of the Department of Justice involving the use of cyber data. Uh, is there anything that you can offer to the American people to improve their confidence that the FBI is indeed protecting their rights beyond just platitudes? The time has expired. The gentleman, the witness may answer the question. Sir, you're very familiar with the legal process that we have to go through to obtain information from any number of companies or even from victims in certain cases. He just told you you don't that need... That is our baseline protocol exactly. of how we do business. I'm unfamiliar with the article, so I cannot speak to what it actually says in there. Mr. Chairman, ask unanimous consent uh, to uh, submit for the record the article from the Wall Street Journal entitled Durham Probe Reveals Government Access to Unregulated Data Streams. Without objection, Mr. Jeffrey. Mm, Jerry the uh, Penguin Nadler. I'm, I'm actually guy. unaware of the Americans' confidence in the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Pathetic. Yeah, pretty pretty scary. And, uh, you know, just, just another clear-cut example of what's going on, you know, in the halls of our uh, federal law enforcement agencies. All they have to do is tell somebody that they think they're doing this, that, or the other thing, and they could start picking and choosing where they, oh, you know, this was privy for an investigation. We, we, we were trying to build a case, and, you know, we're, there's no way we could build a case if we don't at least look to see if what the intelligence or the data is saying is true. You know, going back to what he was referencing, and that was Trump a Russian asset. Obviously, he fucking wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, who? <laughs> like, Trump has been raised since a very small child as a Russian Im imposter. I mean, this is coming from Jerry Nadler is chairing this committee right now, and he's one of the person that promoted the Donald Trump P tapes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to play it, but did you? I, I know you guys have seen the, the hearing, but his reaction to Gates? Yep. Yeah, it's coming up next. So that that's that's like the. Uh, the bigger clip and, and, and probably the spiciest moment of the afternoon, it's when it was revealed that uh, the FBI didn't know where or doesn't have possession of Hunter Biden's laptop, even though they seized it. That's uh, convenient. Yeah. That's just one laptop. They've had possession of a lot of laptops. At least three. Question. Yes, At exactly. least three. And this is dating back to 2019. Um, mm -hmm. I think the commentary will be better afterwards. Let's hear uh, Representative Gates drop the boom. So where is it? The laptop. Yeah. I love it. Where is it? Sir, I'm not here to talk about the laptop. laptops. I'm here to talk about the FBI cyber program. Mm. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. It's I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. Bitch, don't that make me ask again. To me. <laughs> is, has, has FBI cyber assessed whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop could be a point of vulnerability allowing America's enemies to hurt our country. Sir, the FBI cyber program is based off of what's codified in Title 18, or um, Title 18, Section 1030, a code which talks about computer intrusions, right, using nefarious intent. Network well, you've talked about passwords here. 
I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter02. He drops it off at a repair store. I'm holding you make the fun receipt of my passwords. from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. Hmm. How are Americans supposed to trust that you can protect us from the next colonial pipeline if it seems that you can't locate a laptop that was given to you three years ago from the first family, potentially creating vulnerabilities for our country? Sir, it's, it's not in the purview of my investigative responsibilities. Oh. Well, but but that is shocking that, that you wouldn't, as the assistant director of cyber, know whether or not there are international business deals, kickbacks, shakedowns that are on this laptop that would make the first family suspect to, to some sort of compromise. Mr. Assistant Director, have you assessed whether or not the first family is compromised as a result of the Hunter Biden laptop? Sir, as a representative of the FBI cyber program, it is not in the realm of my responsibilities to deal with the questions that you're asking me. Ha has anyone at FBI cyber been asked to make assessments whether or not the laptop creates a point of vulnerability? Sir, we have multiple lines of investigative responsibility in the FBI. They're all available in public source. Well, I would think you'd know this one. I mean, I would think that if the <laughs> president's son, who does international business deals, referencing the now president with the Chinese, with Ukrainians, I mean, have you assessed whether or not the Hunter Biden laptop gives Russia the ability to harm our country? Sir, again... We can do this back and forth for the next couple of minutes. Oh. I don't have any don't worry, information we will. about the Hunter Biden laptop or the investigation. But should you? I mean, you're the assistant director of FBI Cyber. By, my, by the block and line chart? No, sir, I should not. Who should, who should we put in that chair to ask questions about this laptop that FBI has had for three years? Sir, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in a position to make a recommendation of who should say So that. you don't have it. You don't know who has it. You don't know where it is. You're the assistant director. You know, earlier you talked about whether or not you were the Grant Hill or the Christian Leitner. It sounds like you're the Chris Weber trying to call a timeout when you don't have one. Epic. Damn. So I mean, who is it? Do you even know who has it? Do you know who we should put in that chair to ask these questions to? No, sir. I don't know who has it. Well, it, could you find out and tell us? You're going to have to give us briefings, thanks to Mr. Liu and Mr. Massey's question, about whether or not the FBI was taking a $5 million test drive on the Pegasus system yep. that was being used to target people mm -hmm. in politics, people in government, people in the media, people in American life. So will you commit to give us a briefing as the assistant director of FBI Cyber as to where the laptop is, whether or not it's a point of vulnerability, whether or not the American people should wonder whether or not the first family is compromised? Sir, I'd be happy to take your request back to our office. And throw Gosh, in the trash and, and wipe my ass with it. Will you advocate for that briefing? As in, you, you will? I will be happy to take your request back to FBI headquarters. Well, will you, do you believe that that is a briefing that the Congress is, is worthy of having, I guess? Sir, I'm, I am, I'm not going to answer that question. Right? I'm here to talk. The invitation, it's a, it's a sir, the invitation says... Oversight of the FBI's cyber division. It does not say anything. <laughs> well, well right, but I mean, this is this is a cyber asset. This it's is a, a point of vulnerability. Asset. If there are passwords, if there are business deals, if there are references to things that could harm our country, like you can't even sit here right now and say that you know that there's not a point of vulnerability. Maybe there are other crimes, maybe there are tax issues or whatever, but 
as it relates to our, I mean, it, is the first family sufficient cyber infrastructure to protect? You don't even know if they're compromised. Tell you what, Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record of this committee the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. Damn! I'm in possession. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm not. Shove that shit up your ass. Jerry Nadler was confused. He's like, Ugh. oh, he poked his pants. No objection to that. I've never had. I will so object. Pending further uh, investigation. And what's the basis of that objection? I don't it's like unanimous it. consent request, and I object pending. Well, I have a subsequent question. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record the receipt. It may very well be. From the entered, Mac shop. It may very well be entered into the record after we look at it further. Very well, Mr. Chairman, uh, Mr. I have a subsequent unanimous consent. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record the receipt from the Department Mr. of Justice. Mr. Chairman, this is Ms. Deming. Am I next? Or, without, or am I without, next? Or? Without, without objection. Without objection. And then everybody just tries to cover by just making chaos. Like, well, baby, my, my next. Oh, yeah. and, and then his, like, what, his aides are, like, all screaming behind me, like, oh, no, you know, freak, like, freaking out. It's hilarious, though, and it's very telling. Like, uh, I like, can't just say that I, I object, but. Uh, <laughs> Exactly, like he's listening to these kids behind him, literally, like telling him what to do. It, it's I would ridiculous. gladly pay you Tuesday for a hard drive today. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, it's in. Thank so, God. Yeah, that's amazing. You know Matt Gates, you are amazing. They Thank blindsided so, so many people with that. Yeah. I know. I wish, amazing. like, somebody needs to make a compilation. You know, like when they do like the compilation of all like the Hollywood elites when. Uh, Ricky Gervais was doing his uh, his Oscars <laughs> yeah. speech, and yeah. everybody's just like Tom Hanks is doing the who just farted face, face and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Mel Gibson smiling. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and he's, he's coming like, out. Yeah, bitches, you all fuck kids. Mel Gibson's like, I'm gonna get a DUI later and yell about this. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Mel Gibson. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> he's so great. I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> he was the only one laughing the other day at that uh, oh, yeah. Will Smith thing yeah. at the Oscars. So. He lives for that shit. Well, he's coming out with a new film, too. Uh, it's the sequel to The Passion. Yeah. and It's he's going a, to be amazing. He's also what? in the uh, new Mark Wahlberg movie as well. Oh, I, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. It's, it's, I see the trailers all over television. So, yeah. Uh -huh. So that, that's kind of, you know, where we're at. Back and forth. I don't have the data. This isn't what I'm here for. Yes, I'll take your... I mean, all they want to do is prolong this bullshit. So... Their job is, like exactly what he what matt is asking him you know clearly obviously he was sent for a reason mm -hmm. you know because he's, he's a peon clearly and you know dodging questions like they always do even you know the main ones that you know that are in government but it's it's astounding really when the cyber person the assistant cyber person is like of the FBI is saying, I, you know, this is not in my purview, not in my purview. Oh, they, he, he knows exactly where that fucking, those laptops 100%, are. A hundred percent. So it's, it, it's crazy. They're literally lying to the, well, one, everyone, everyone, the American, you know, public, let alone the judiciary. And then Matt Gates rips out the hard drive. Oh, you don't know where it is. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Got you. It's, Got him. 
So it's, now you need to know where it is, and you're going to know. I hate to say we told you all so, but, yeah. It's we just another perfect example of it. Senator Ron Johnson followed up on the lower chamber, um, talking about him and Chuck Grassley's report about Biden, Inc., the Biden crime family, and some of the things that are tied into that. Let's hear him uh, kind of break it down for us a little bit more. Fortunately, facts are stubborn things. As the Bidens, our Democrat colleagues, and the media is learning, it is difficult to keep them hidden forever. That's it right there. Senator Grassley and I will continue to investigate the Biden family's foreign financial entanglements and provide the American people with the truth to the best of our ability. Our challenge is the deep state does not give up its secrets easily. New evidence of Biden family influence peddling is surfacing on a regular basis, often coming from records from Hunter Biden's laptop. The same laptop, by the way, that the media and deep state foreign intelligence agency officials inferred, strongly inferred, was, you guessed it, Russian disinformation. Mm. Hmm. And their guile worked. Prior to the election, people bought the fact that that laptop was probably Russian disinformation. It wasn't, as New York Times just admitted, admitted about a year too late, more than a year too late, that lap laptop is authentic, and the evidence it is producing is real. But of course, that laptop wasn't Russian disinformation, nor is any of the information we presented in our reports and here on the floor of the Senate. Sure isn't. Mm -mm. Nope. When you're just talking about Hunter Biden, let's look off of some of the stuff that's become well-known public records. So we had the $3.5 million gift from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. He was also gifted a three-carat diamond. The picture mm -hmm. from the laptop has become famous. It's it's to scale on a penny Wow. to show how big it is. Yeah. 10% um, for the big guy. In regards to the Chinese banking firm stuff. Of course. The proxy uh, U.S. real estate deal that they were doing. Uh, $54,000 a month to sit on the board of Burisma. Other dealings with China. And now we've tied him to a proxy consultant, which led to him getting paid for when we went in and took over the Russian bio labs and extended them into the ones we would build right next to them. That's just the stuff we know, the stuff that's yes. become pretty standard conversation when you bring it up with the stuff. And then you got Joe Biden's brother. He's got two of them. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is, but he's corn pop. In, no, involved in all of this money laundering. Like you know, they would get like three billion dollars for contracts to build like track homes in Iraq. I'm not joking. Crazy, wow. And they would only use like 20% of the total money that was allotted, and he would be pocketing all the rest. Well, laundering it through other things, but right back to him. It's nuts because I used to, um, I'm not going to name the one person, but the, a person in my family who is a part of the military in that like sector, like okay. independent now, was telling me about that years ago about, you know, how a lot of this is not audited and how they pocket this money. And now I'm seeing it more than ever. It, it's just bizarre. It's so fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. When, you, when, you, when you're a contractor for the government and you, you get mm. these big contracts, like, that money goes in, it never comes out. 
Uh, yeah, and, and you'll never, you'll never know where it went. Like they do, like literally, they do do not audit anything oh. at all, ever. So, so it's a free for all. Yeah, I got back to back Tucky clips commenting on this stuff. First one's going to be, you know, we've been calling it probably for the last three weeks, saying how when the administrative state doesn't give a shit about you and that like how they're just leaving Joe Biden out to dry. Like this country is really in a scary position right now and in a lot of trouble. And uh, it looks like the people from Tucker show picked up on that narrative. And uh, I think they reference him as the deep state, but you know, we all know that that's a whole different entity than the administrative state. They're the ones that pull all the strings within the government. Uh, Let's hear him kind of weigh in on uh, the Hunter Biden laptop and all things related. Going on with Joe Biden is poll numbers are absolutely tanking, but it seems like elements within the Democratic Party are turning on him. We're not going to pretend we understand exactly what's going on here, but something definitely is. Here's this example, and you remember this very well. Just before the last election, the New York Post ran a story about the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. It was a huge story, but big tech censored it immediately. CNN and dozens of other former Intel officials told us that laptop was Russian disinformation. Mm. There are fears that what Giuliani is now pushing here in the United States could actually be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign. This is early 2020. So you have a president who is asking to obtain Russian disinformation, knowing that that is what it is. He is accepting that same information, and he is then turning it and using it on the campaign trail against uh, his his opponent. And that's mind-blowing. It's sort of a a crazy quilt at this point, uh, uh, which has all the hallmarks of of, of Russian disinformation. That said, it it wasn't for lack of trying. CNN reported on Friday that U.S. authorities are seeing if those emails we just talked about are connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Huh. So it turns out when they accuse people of Russian disinformation, they're not always sincere. Of course, they're liars. They'll say whatever they need to say. That was before the election. They needed to get Biden elected. They did it. But now they're telling you something very different. Now they're telling you, in fact, the laptop is real. Here's CNN yesterday. This is very, very bad for the president's son. It is, and it's an investigation, as you pointed out, going back to 2018, and, and right now, prosecutors in Delaware uh, are, are focusing on a number of things, including whether Hunter Biden and, and some of his business associates uh, violated yes, laws, including tax and money Got laundering laws jobs. and foreign lobbying laws. They're now gaining steam, and they need to make a decision, I think, in the at least intermediate future. This case has been going on for four years, and there is a realistic chance this could result in federal charges, of course then we'd be in unprecedented political territory, not legal territory, but a situation of having potentially the Justice Department prosecuting and trying to imprison the son of the president. Good. What a freak show that channel is. Good luck to their new subscription (laughs) service. But now they're telling you, yeah, it's all true, actually. And that's not the only story about Russian disinformation that has fallen apart this week. The Federal Election Commission just fined the DNC and Hillary Clinton, her campaign, more than $100,000. The FEC determined that the Clinton campaign tried to hide its role in funding the Steele dossier. Steele dossier is the false document that claimed, among many other things, that Putin got Trump elected. Turns out the disinformation was, in fact, paid for by the campaign. It was coming from the DNC. Mm. Got him. Well, you know that with Mark Elias and uh, um, Washerman Schultz and friends, you know, they're all named in the Trump lawsuit as well, all the people connected to that. Um, but it's just pretty funny to hear, you know, I, I'd gone through the last three days, and every time I found 
CNN, MSNBC, fucking Tucker's people put them all together. So I said, you want to know what? We'll just run with the whole clip and let him play a montage. No, I was like, wow, he put the whole medley together. Yeah. But that wasn't the best part of the show because he would segue right from that into having Matt Gates on with him to get some post-game commentary on the uh, boom boom that he dropped on the house floor earlier in the day. Um, Let's hear him on that, and then, then we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, so I want to ask you also about the FBI this. So the assistant director of the FBI cyber division, a guy called Brian Vorndran, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, came before the House Judiciary Committee and you asked him a simple question, where's Hunter Biden's laptop? And here's how he responded. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter02. He drops it off <laughs> Never gonna at get old. a repair store. I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. Well, I don't even know how to assess that. This is the director of cyber at the FBI. What do you make of this? Uh, If the laptop was Russian disinformation, as they told us for quite some time, you'd think they would know where it is. But of course, you see a circumstance here that just strains credulity. The notion that for three years, the FBI has had this and the chief of cyber not only doesn't know where it is, doesn't know who at the FBI we should call upon to test to see whether or not this laptop functions as a point of vulnerability for our country business deals, kickbacks, who knows what else, and that could actually be used to compromise the first family. So I don't think we ought to question this anymore. That's why I introduced the laptop into the congressional record, and it will be available for all to see soon. I also have filed legislation to strip the security clearances from the 51 national security officials who all lied to the country and said this was Russian disinformation. We now see that being walked back with Yet again, DOJ authorized leaks to CNN. I think it's really Mm. something, Tucker, that CNN comes out with this big piece today saying, oh, the investigation into Hunter Biden is heating up a day after the FBI was humiliated by basic questions I asked in the Judiciary Committee about their efficacy, their work, their chain of custody, and the evidence they may have of a U.S. vulnerability that could be exploited by our adversaries. Yeah, there's something going on there. There is a move against Biden from within the Democratic Party. I have no idea what it means, but it's obviously underway. Congressman Matt, Matt Gates, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. We called it first. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. did. Um, you know, it's because who, who we have on and who we talk to and how we talk to them, the, the way the conversations go. You know, we ask a lot of questions. We have a lot of former uh, Trump administration officials on there who are extremely scorned from the way the deep state treated the first family when 45 was in office and, and just gummed up all of the make America great again agenda for four years mm-hmm. and now complete with spying. Got him. Yeah. And, uh, I have a feeling people like Hillary Clinton and all those ones that Donald Trump went down the list in the rally last weekend. Uh, they're not out of the woods yet by any means. Oh, not at all. It's just beginning. And I think they're getting starting to get in a crisis mode because they know they need to do something with Joe Biden. Double impeachment's coming after the midterm elections if they don't. And then they're running out of candidates right now because 
everyone who who was a contender for for 2024 in the in the Democrat party is essentially a mass murderer because of COVID. Yep. The only one who's kind of flown above it is Gavin Newsom, and I don't think he's ready to run until 2028 to be honest with you. Um no, he's a mass murderer himself, didn't sure. he? Sure. But I mean, I, you know, he's been able to that's I mean, that's Nancy Pelosi's nephew, so I know. It's one of those things where listen, while we're all fucked here, in, in a state that's at 10.1% inflation with gas prices, the average for California is now over $6. I checked it on the, the news today before the show started. Easy. With empty shelves everywhere, that's the reality of it. Gavin Newsom took his family to um, South America to enjoy a 12-day spring break because he promised his children, because the last two spring breaks were canceled because of COVID, and even though they went to Cancun twice this year already, he was going to make it up to them. So, when's yeah. he gonna make it up to us? Never. Well, if there's one thing I can be sure of, we're gonna make up whatever we've been lacking to our audience next. Because coming in with us now is gonna be Mr. Cash Patel, the former chief of staff to the DOD counterterrorism expert. And joining him soon thereafter will be the one and only Miss Amanda Milius. So as Cash is getting ready to jump in with us now, let's let his audio load up. All right, big show today. We've got a couple great guests. First one joining us right now, he's the former chief of staff to the DOD and deputy assistant to President Trump. He's also been uh, referred to as the Tom Cruise of the Plot Against the President movie. <laughs> he's back on Steak for Breakfast today. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for joining us. I don't know if I've earned that that intro. Maybe the first two titles. The last one certainly hasn't gotten me any dates, though, so i got to keep working on that. Well, how tall are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Amanda did it. I'm five eight in my cowboy boots. Oh, come on! You're taller. Wait till you'll take a foot taller than Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah. in real life. I think he's legally yeah. a midget. Yeah, that's like five five, like five six. Tower over that guy. I'm his. I'm his brown stunt double. <laughs> Before we get into anything, one thing that our listening audience always wants to know: we've heard it from several of our guests. Are you still the most eligible bachelor in Trump world? I don't know. Eligible is something that el- somebody else will have to qualify, mm. but I am a bachelor. Yes. There you go. We've heard Dan, Dan Scavino has been scooped up. So, wow. Dude, Dan. I love that guy. That guy is like my, my brother from the Trump world soulmate for uh, doing just all the damage we did for good. It was, that guy's the best. And the, that they're coming after him is just a total travesty. Mm. Yeah. Let's jump into that real quick. Uh, you know, we saw the, the uh, motions to, Go after Scavino and uh, one of the other good friends of our show, Dr. Peter Navarro, this week. What's your whole take on that thing from a legal standpoint based off of some of your experience? I mean, we know it's a whole big virtue single and it's going to go absolutely nowhere. But, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you think they uh, – just to keep it in the headlines, keep it fresh, make the people who are uninformed think that, like, bad stuff is still happening and Donald Trump's going to jail and all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, if you remember, the, the, first, sl- the first slew of subpoenas from the unselect committee on January 6th was me, Scavino, and Meadows. Yep you know, way back when, then I went through that whole legal rigmarole, uh, hired a bunch of lawyers who were fantastic, but cost a lot of money and went and gave the select committee all the information they didn't want, which was the truth. Now, Scavino is rightly contesting, you know, executive privilege, conversations with the president, things like that. And all they want to do is get a political narrative because, you know, COVID's over, so they can't run on that anymore. Jan 6 is the only thing they have left to run on for the midterms. And they're pretty much out of rope there unless they come up with some new bogus headline like, oh, now we're looking at holding Scavino and Navarro in contempt. 
as if that's going to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, what would be like the legality of that? Do you, I mean, nothing would literally happen to them, right? I mean, you know, look, as a former congressional investigator who ran Russiagate and mm. issued 17 congressional subpoenas versus, you know, a guy who's also a former federal prosecutor, the weight of that subpoena at the Department of Justice versus the one at Congress is like an anvil to a paperclip. Mm. I mean, literally the congressional subpoena, they just don't have much weight except in the media and the press because most of the public doesn't really know that to enforce. If you recall, when they held Eric Holder rightfully in contempt of Congress, it took four years for that case to get to court. So, you know, and that, and he did something wrong. He actually violated a congressional order. Dan Scavino hasn't done that. They just want the headline. They know it's not going anywhere. They're losing the house in November. So end of the investigation in like what, five, six months here. And that case is just going to get tossed if it if the DOJ even takes it, which they shouldn't because there's no legal basis for it. Well, it's like all these like the people that use the impeachment as an argument, like they're just doing it just to say they did it yeah. so they can use yeah. it as a smear. And then, you know, well, we said it 500 times. So that means it's true. And it's always true right. forever now. It's exactly. nonsense. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, actually, it doesn't at the end of the day when you, <laughs> when we break it down like that. Cash, what have you been up to since the last time we talked to you? It's been about a month and a half. We know you've been working on a couple different things. Obviously, you have your organization that we're, you know, constantly getting the name out there for. We've seen you make your first appearance on social media with True Social, and then you're you're working on something else, uh, trying to help some other people out. Why don't you let our listenership know about that? Yeah, those are the two big things. Uh, yeah, fightwithcash.com. Appreciate that. We actually I like that we started it because so many people were defamed. So many Americans were defamed. Not just me. I've got my own lawsuits, but that's separate. Um, and we finally, you know, met the purpose that we started out with, which is filing lawsuits for Americans that have been defamed. And we just filed a lawsuit for an American, I think, two, three weeks ago. A uh, young man by the name of Daniel Bostic. I think he might be coming on your show. He's a he friend is. of ours. He's a friend of Amanda's. He's a great American. And he was mercilessly defamed by some hack organization on the left um, for his non-involvement in January 6th. And I don't want to get into the content of it because the lawsuit's live. But I think, and the lawyers think, the smart ones um, at Fight With Cash think he has a righteous case and they filed it. And I think it's for like $20 million. So nice. that's just one of the things we're working on at fightwithcash.com. We got a couple more in the pipeline. And as soon as they hit, we're going to tell you guys all about them. Well, we like to hear uh, good news like that, especially the dollar amount for these people have gone through such, you know, there's there's people who have not seen a judge that have been in jail since shortly thereafter, January 6th. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we, we did see a couple weeks ago, unfortunately, someone who was, you know, going through the process committed suicide. I saw his relative on Tucker Carlson this week. That's also extremely sad, you know, just the pressure and the stress and mm-hmm. all the hate that's going on in regards to what the media has, has turned this into and that non-select committee. It's just a really sad thing to see. You know, that's the way that our mm-hmm. government's working right now. And uh, no, it's it's totally a shame. And you're right. The other thing I did was I got on Truth Social, social media for the first time ever. At, you know, Amanda has been begging me to get on Truth Social for, you know, like five years. Um, Erica to everybody, Andrew, I believe, media. And I was like, fine. I had the argument with my former boss, uh, President Trump, along with my former former boss, Devin Nunes, about not going on. And I lost that argument. Mm. I went over two. So I was on Truth Social the next day. Um, but I've been campaigning pretty hard on there, just calling out the media and the and the fake news. And this week I actually did what's called an accountability week. And I called out the five biggest perpetrators um, from the Trump administration who failed to do their jobs and violated the law. 
everybody from Rod Rosenstein uh, to Gina Haspel to Mark Milley to Fiona Hill and Andrew McCabe are the ones I named uh, one a day. And it's over at, at Cash, K-A-S-H. And I, and I went after them. And it was easy because the facts speak for themselves. These people have been found to have violated the law by inspector generals, by congressional investigations. And we just saw most uh, recently Hillary Clinton's campaign broke the law. We knew that. They spent millions of campaign dollars on getting Russian disinformation from a Russian asset, which is illegal. Mm -hmm. And the FEC finally came in and fined her a six-figure amount. It's not much, but it's a start. And if you couple that with uh, Durham's indictments and pleadings, I think we're I think we're rolling into a nice spring here. Didn't really hear that on the news ever. You know, we heard it on the Trump rally last week. Yeah. <laughs> well, he named everybody and then some. Uh, Cash, let's talk about those two things real quick. First of all, what, what's the latest on the Durham investigation? Yeah, so he has been, um, he, he filed probably about a week or two ago, something that didn't get any coverage. It was a one-page pleading from John Durham and his team. And basically, it says, hey, judge, I've got so much discovery, so much evidence in this prosecution of Igor Danchenkov, the steel source hired by the Clinton campaign. I've got mountains of it. I need a little more time to get it to the defense so the so his due process rights are met. And the defense agreed that they needed more time. But the key was four little bullets he inserted in this one-page pleading. And me, as a former national security prosecutor who, who has done these types of pleadings, jumped on him. He issued what's called the Classified Information Protections Act pleading, a SEPA pleading, which says, I've got so much classified information to bring this prosecution. I have to come to you, the judge, alone without the defense because it's so sensitive. And then you, the judge, got to give me a ruling as to whether or not I can use this. On top of that, I have all this unclassified information that I need to use in this prosecution and a subset of classified information that I don't need to use to go to the judge with, but I have to get declassified for purposes of prosecution. And the only reason you do all that legwork is because you're bringing a prosecution and probably more so you can make sure your case is bulletproof. And uh, that's what he's been up to. It's it's a lot of work, man. I spent five months declassifying one sentence for one terrorism prosecution. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That sounds crazy. And like you said, you you had teased last time you're on, you weren't going to see a lot of the stuff like the, this really start to heat up, heat up. He's laying out a really big picture. You said he was deconstructing almost what was like a huge crime organization or something like that. And that's just yeah. something that we're looking to see, uh, you know, as we head into the summer months now. No, absolutely. And that's what it is. Like it, it's, I mean, it's impossible. It's not impossible. It's hard enough to bring a RICO mob style conspiracy case against the mob. <laughs> it's even harder to bring a national security case because you have that plus classified information. What's the hardest thing in the world? Prosecuting a political campaign for the largest criminal conspiracy, mob style conspiracy in U.S. history during a presidential election cycle when you have a media that doesn't want to listen to you and when you have none of the levers of government that want to cooperate. Yeah. The only guy that's there is John Dermott is like eight man team. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Makes a whole lot of sense. All right. Coming right back off that and jumping in with us also today for this segment, long awaited and uh, extremely requested by our listenership. She is the <laughs> producer and the director of the plot against the president documentary and founder of AMDC films. In addition, she did a little time at the Trump state department. Miss Amanda Millius, thanks for coming back and joining us today and steak for breakfast. Thanks for having me. Finally, oh, I'm so in. It's our pleasure. No, it's good to have you back. And uh, how's everything going with you? Good. Just, you know, working, unpacking, as you saw. I 
moved finally <laughs> out of the Fed dorm. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, one of the guys I work with walk in one day and just be like, why do you still live here? <laughs> well, and I was like, you're right. I guess I should move out of the like apartment I lived in when I was working at the stage apartment was like never in it. I like suddenly realized that I was like, there's no light in here. Like I've never been in here longer than a day. Like I need to move. So we did. So everything's uh, much shinier and nicer in Alexandria. That's good to hear. How has everything been with you? You've been extremely busy. Um, if anybody follows you on social media, we would know you're running around all over the place. You're doing campaign events. Uh, you're doing stuff in regards to your projects that you're working on. Why don't you give our listenership a little bit of an update? Uh, well, we are, uh, you know, we're in fundraising mode still for the, uh, I'm actually not still, just now opening for the um, 8 Doc uh, Film Fund, mm -hmm. which is like over the course of three or four years. So we're going to be like a doc factory uh, shortly. And then uh, there's a couple scripteds still on the plate. Um, Cash is still lined up to play himself in all of them. Uh, there is a cash role in every movie I will ever do for the rest of my life. Um, he's going to jump out of an airplane in the next one. Totally. Nice. But real. Like, I, can, real. I can be a stunt double. Yeah. No, you cannot. Nice. Yeah, I think that's called brown face. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right, yeah, call Trudeau and get some paint. There you go. Yeah, right. Cash doesn't care. I've done it before. Is that Maybelline? Oh, yeah, I don't care. Amanda, we definitely we have to clear something up though. When we introduced Cash right before you came in, he did not know if he was deserving of that title, the Tom Cruise of the Plot Against the President documentary. I said that. Yeah, of course he is. That's, you he is the, the Tom Cruise. You crowned him I mean, with that bad boy. I mean, it's weird because you've got two stars. <laughs> so it's like, it's like Devin Nunes is the John Wayne, but then he's sort of like, you know, speaking of airplane jumps, like hands the parachute to Cash and then Cash jumps out and like saves America. And it's like this whole <laughs> thing. So yeah, I mean, he's, it's kind of a double, you know, masculine star uh movie situation with your, your viewership with might take a nosedive after this episode <laughs> no, no 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 they've been dying for this one so my only other question regarding that movie the live action who would play hillary clinton <laughs> oh actually uh, we didn't think of that amanda that's we a didn't good even question. consider that i mean it's i mean i'll, I'll put an offer out to her herself <laughs> you could probably find a bag lady in the skid row of la or something she's maybe. always yeah, looking for money that's though. actually a good one you know, Rosie O'Donnell's been out of work for a while. Ooh. <laughs> that is true. That was one of Donald Trump's favorite punching bag, figuratively only. Well, only Donald, will, I mean, the president will watch it then for sure. If Rosie plays Hillary, <laughs> oh my God. He's in. Who's going to play again. Trump? Yeah. Well, he has to play Trump. Yeah. Nobody can play Trump. Nobody. Except for uh, the voiceover we can do by that guy. What's that guy I love? Uh, Sean. Uh, they finally had the president and him on at the same oh. time. He's like, best he's the best trump impersonator yes he is um, so the guy with the giant eyebrows John yeah. Farage, yep yeah he's he's got we have to find a role for him like he's got to be every time we don't need trump on screen and we just need his voice we're just hiring Sean. perfect <laughs> oh they could always be in the same room you just yeah. have him be dan scavino <laughs> <laughs> totally oh. So, Amanda, we, we talked about some of the things that are going on legal-wise uh, and caught up with cash. I, I want to segue now. You know, we're, we're talking about some some of the political stuff going on. Everybody's favorite virtue single right now on, on both the left and the right. 
wing legacy media is the Russia Ukraine conflict that continues to uh, tank our economy and uh, I don't know rebirth all of the neocons and mm. make 2002 great again. Whenever. I don't know. It's been. It's not just been the neocons. I mean, like half the MAGA movement. Yeah, yeah. Walking well, around like super pro Ukraine. I can't tell why, except for the idea that, um, you know, obviously everybody's super pro Poland. Um, it's not like when we were in the administration, we were like anti NATO the way that they portrayed us. We were just like, hey, maybe you want to update NATO from like. 1989 because one day you might need it and uh it's funny to see that you know that all come to fruition funny is not the right word but uh but no on the ukraine thing then you've also got like i mean you know half of everybody associated with trump world is terrified of being called like a putin sympathist so they're just like no no like i put the flag on my profile don't hurt me (laughs) uh so i think it's a i think it's almost like a little bit of a i don't know it's a it's like the same thing as like when people put the like in this house we believe sign on the lawn hoping that like BLM won't burn it down on their way through the suburbs like that's basically the same thing. The sign that contradicts itself like five different times. Yes. In just yeah. as many lines. I, yeah. <laughs> Cash I kind of want one. Oh, there you go. Well, we'll we'll see if we can get you one of those and then we'll just do a three-way trade. Well, it depends what neighborhood I walk my dog in. Cash is it sad to see the Trump doctrine just evaporate over the course of the last 15 months uh it may be sad yeah for sure but it's just a tragedy for american national security i mean pick your pick your topic right the afghanistan catastrophe that led to 13 american soldiers being blown up by isis bombers that joe biden let out of bagram airfield basically himself that we knew about that that we that we knew about like there was a countdown like like i mean i don't have to tell you like if, if i know you know like they knew about it. <laughs> and then and then Mark Milley thumping his chest after he mm-hmm. drone strike seven children. Um, you know, that's just like a piece of it. But then we have our southern border that no one talks about. Not you guys, but, okay. you know, the fake Thank news you. media doesn't talk about it anymore as if it wasn't a problem. This is what happens when you ignore and politicize national security. And then, of course, Ukraine, Russia and everything else. I mean, Joe Biden's not on the call sheets for anyone anymore. And if he requests a meeting, he doesn't get it. And the axis of, of basically, I don't want to call them the axis of evil. I would just call them the axis of traditional powers that America relied on has totally shifted. Mm-hmm. The Saudis are visiting with the Iranians. The Emiratis have Bashar al-Assad come to Abu Dhabi and talk to them and say, we are going to put our collective interest over America. And then we've got Russia, thanks to Joe Biden, being the arbitral arbiter, excuse me, for the reentry to the Iran nuke deal. It's insane. If it wasn't bad enough, we're going back in. We picked our biggest enemy to be the guy who's going to dictate the terms of how we go back in, how Iran gets a nuclear deal, and how their oil industry is going to continue to kick our ass uh, because we have a commander in buffoon at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania. Yeah, we you can't you can't uh, look at all that and say it's all an accident. No, I mean that's the thing. Is like I'll I'll let cash. Wait, I have to I have to. uh, We're live. I'm holding up. I'm doing advertising, Amanda. (laughs) Gotta get the president. (laughs) Just listening to it. You can't see what I'm holding up. I've never done this. It's the greatest documentary ever. Ever. And if you ever want me on your show, you have to watch this and send it to a thousand people. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Sorry. Cash, Cash we, took, right. we took All right. That was that was that was good. You you you've done enough. Well done. <laughs> All right. That's that's good. Um <laughs> but yeah, the the thing I was saying before was um <laughs> 
you know, I would say that, you know, with cash telling us exactly what's going on and how it is like, uh, I'll, I'll take the role of the more conspiratorial side, uh, or editorial side and just say like, how do you hear all of those facts? Uh, which he knows, I mean, cash still knows people in every part of the government. Um, like, how do you hear all that? And then think that that's not, uh, on purpose. Like you don't make that many mistakes by accident. I think, uh, you know, even Posobiec today was talking about like, wait a second, like, you're telling me their reserve is going back to the same and like they're actually coming out of this like Russia's coming out of this better and we're tanking like that's I don't see any other explanation. No, there, there isn't one. We, we did take care of that group of new actors. Cash didn't want to call them the axis of evil. We've renamed them the axis of oil. Mm. And uh, Ooh, been, uh, yeah, I've been running with that. That's fucking good. You can Wait, take are we allowed that. to curse? Sorry. Absolutely. Um, fuck yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll even hit the, that's uh, a t-shirt. Oh, that's a t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> Full t-shirt industry. There you go. Axis, wait, wait, you guys successful. I don't know. I mean, it's like that. I love dude. Cash the t-shirt merchant. Is I, I actually want I'm one of those. Know, sales are through the roof. They are. I know. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to go with axis of evil 2.0. And then we just kept saying it over the course of one show. And I was like, you want to know what? When you throw Venezuela in there, it's like the axis of oil. And uh, we just kind of stuck with that. We have no need. Like, we have plenty of reserve. Like, why? Like, we have plenty of oil in this country. We were oil independent. I mean, we were gas independent under our own administration. Like, there's literally no reason for this. I just don't know. How are people this dumb? Like, when they go out and they're like, they're they're paying that much for, for gas. Like, how do they not just immediately understand like this is the most important thing and it was solved under the Trump administration and now it is very much unsolved. Yeah, they've been taking a couple hits on the administration, uh, both in the uh, money department and in the energy department over the last week through some of those stump speeches, but then they roll out like a $6 trillion budget proposal for fiscal year 2023 and you're like, okay. I mean, I had to watch Ron Klein go on MSNBC this morning and talk for like literally five minutes about the rigorous health of joe biden's mental fitness so that's wow yeah, that, that's where we're at right now and it's, wow so. wow we've done some we've all had to do some shit but like boy nobody's ever had to do that like ron klein coming in strong on joe biden's mental fitness yeah that's a clip <laughs> yeah. that's good got him yeah it's gonna i be- don't know what you guys are talking about that guy has the brain power of like ronald reagan and obama combined it's totally not <laughs> Lay that at my confirmation hearing in a couple of years. That quote, just that one. Yeah. Yeah. I will send Not it. Not any of the other ones. Yeah. Just that one. With our powers combined. Well, you know, if you add up both of their total presidential uh, general election vote totals, you, you might get to 81 million. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Guys, midterm elections, probably the most important Ooh. in a long time in this country. Uh, probably bigger than the Tea Party movement, just because of the importance of what's going on right now. They can pretty much and the Biden agenda, uh, other than executive order after the midterms. I know you guys are both out stumping for some candidates and helping out the best you can. What do you guys want to tell our listenership about the value of getting out and voting in this election and then some of the some of the good ones that are out there right now? I know Cash in particular. Uh, well, Amanda, you, you've got ties to Nevada as well, so you're probably a huge fan of Adam Laxalt. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Adam was working with us in the uh, 2020 election, you know, like I've said about Schlapp and Rick Grinnell, like rolling up their sleeves 
getting in there with the voting machines, like trying, I mean, it was a nightmare. So like anybody that stuck around, like gets a win for me. Uh, but Adam Laxalt is a like absolute native Nevadan who's just totally dedicated to the state. And you can tell by what he talks about and what he's interested in. Um, and Cash knows him really well. Devin knows him well. I mean, all the good guys, when, when all the good guys are his like best friends. Yep. It's a pretty, pretty good uh, endorsement. I mean, obviously, both of us also have been hoping that Joe Kent uh, pulls it off, which it looks like he will. The latest polls in Washington have him like just like crazy ahead. Yep. He's had a great, you know, last couple quarters. And, um, you know, we both are really fond of him and his foreign policy uh and uh and there's a couple other guys i mean my <clears throat> i'll let cash speak to it because i mean he knows what he's looking for but like for me i'm just trying to like vet people down to the last t because every last asshole that's running <laughs> is like america first. america for, yeah so that's not enough like you can't yeah. just be like oh he says he's america first or she says she's america first or whatever because, you know, some of these people I've had the displeasure of working with, and let me tell you, they couldn't be more the opposite of America first. And I'll just leave it there because Cash is here. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to embarrass him on the um, horrific um, endorsement. Amanda and I agree about on 99.9999% at of the world. She found the 0.00001% of the world. We disagree on. What but is it? Anyway, but I worked with her. You never met her. No, I did. What are you talking about? Dude, uh, I don't know what she did with you in the back room of the DOD, but like, oh all I'm going to tell you is I worked with her for two years. And I wouldn't let uh, that bitch hear a fucking. Nope. <laughs> I'm going. So uh, <laughs> out of your FBI mug. I love it. Uh, so yeah, look, when I like Adam Laxall, Carrie Lake, this guy Abe for AG out in Arizona, yes, all these guys, Joe Kent, Washington State. We got a couple of rock stars in Florida. The, she's right. Amanda's right. I, can't blame just, like, I keep I keep flirting with Joe Kent. So it's like I, you know, <laughs> fine. You want to flirt with Morgan Ortega and support her campaign? Oh my That's god! Fine. Hey, like, no I'm, gonna, I'm no. going with Joe Kent. We're just, I'm, with I'm Joe going Kent with too. 45. Uh, you if 45 says he's good with it, then I'm going with it. Is my bottom yeah, 45, line. 45, I think is no longer good with it but that's cool uh anyway well you know what the, the, the state of tennessee oh, is no longer good of it after yesterday they mm. got that bill up there so we'll see. can't run yeah she, she's not gonna be allowed on the ballot okay. sometimes i love cash is like cash is like is like why did i agree to do this like when she's like online oh, he's having like, a great time it looks like he's laughing or crying i can't tell his picture small right now internally i'm crying oh there you go mr cruz please inside. that's usually <laughs> but that's usually the way it goes um but yeah like people ask for my endorsements i just did a fundraiser or foundation event out in arizona and they like they'll sometimes they'll send me this like I'm an America first candidate. I was like, what the F does that mean? <laughs> if you don't put the word Good. Trump in your endorsement for me, you ain't getting it. Right. And it has to be like, not only am I America first and love Donald Trump and running on all of the Trump agenda, then I might consider endorsing you. And people are doing that. Carrie Lakes of the world, the sure. A for AG out there, obviously Laxalt's doing it. <clears throat> probably more so than anybody. But what I told Adam was, as a fellow Nevadan, um, what I told Adam was, yeah. <laughs> you are you have to be the U.S. Senate candidate. Yes. We're going to flip Nevada, and it's going to get us to Senate. You're super popular in Nevada, which is great. But we need you to be like the guy that everyone knows from California to New York is going to flip the Senate. And I think he's doing that successfully with a big campaign push. 
And there's other like, you know, Carrie Lake's the same thing as governor. She needs to be the governorship that flips, you know, that state because we need that state. We need that state AG. We need it for the election cycle coming up, not just in the midterms, but the 2024 election cycle, um, the southwest border and things like that. So, you know, we've got a lot of good former military guys running. Joe Kent's the, probably the biggest example. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a slew of guys down in Florida and on the East Coast. But we, we I know we from- Babatini. Oh, Zabatini's yeah. the best. We Zabatini's. from Trump World are, are running. Yeah. You know, I was just down at the Candidates Forum down in Mar-a-Lago and we're running, you know, people against those who voted to vote against, voted to impeach Donald Trump. Harriet Hagelman in, in Wyoming is going to bounce. Uh, what's her face? Liz Cheney. Cheney. Yep. Liz Cheney. We're running um, Kelly Shabaka in Alaska for the Senate seat against uh, Lisa Murkowski, who yeah. could not be more of an anti-Trump hater. And we're going to go out there and we're going to win that race. So it's not just... You know, you people say, oh, I got to donate or I got to go out and vote. I'm like, yeah, sure. You got to do all those things. But you have to go and motivate people in your communities um, at the ground level to do anything like send an email, you know, call someone, walk down the street and be like, oh, here's more than just a, a sign for my yard. That's how you win elections. You have to get everyone involved. Yeah, you need the money and you need the big checks and you need the Trump endorsement. But you got to be way more involved than that. Great. This is going to be the most watched episode ever because Amanda and I got into it. That, that's, what people don't know, and this is going on the record, is Amanda and I are like brother and sister. So absolutely. I love her. She's the best. And, I love her. Uh, he's the best. Ciao, Cash. guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Cash, for coming out. We appreciate it. Bye. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, that was hot. Is that really <laughs> live? No, no, no. It'll be up later today. Listen, Steve. I don't, ba- Steve I don't Bannon, work for anybody, so I can say whatever I want. Steve Bannon tells people that we we need to be more serious, so he's gonna love this episode. Is it us? <laughs> Are we sure it's us? So anytime we start making fun of people and giving them nicknames or hitting our uh, Mr. Garrison button too much, oh. <laughs> am I am I editing all this out? No. Okay, perfect. We're fucking doing it live. All right, but not live. Do it live. Yeah, Amanda, you know, sticking with those candidates right there. Hey, listen, we're Robbie Starbucks show anyway, so we're with you on that one. I wouldn't go near Morgan Ortegas with Cash's I tried. Ship. They put me on the same hall as her. I couldn't. I, I said not without a 50-foot pole, but she was only four or five uh, <laughs> offices down the hall for me, uh, making fun of the first family. And uh, every time she came back from the White House, rolling her eyes at how stupid the president was and how we're going to have to find a way to like deal with this, even though he's so dumb, he said this and they want it. The white house is so dumb. They want us to do this. Like there's no, like literally like the state department is like the walls are like, like a piece of cardboard (laughs) that they put up to like sort of keep you like in your hole. Um, So yeah, I mean that and her support for Jeb Bush, which was really enthusiastic all the way through her time at, in the Trump State Department, she was a Jeb fan. So I don't really. Pretty big you know, red flag I mean, for me, too. Nice lady, like perfectly nice lady, like as a woman that works on your floor. Like I'm not, you know, whatever. But like uh, the idea that she's like the pro Trump candidate is the most absolutely insane thing I've ever heard. Um, not only that, I've never been threatened by a candidate before. And I haven't done politics for that long because then I don't really do politics now. Like I make movies. Um, so I'm not involved with like any pack or any anything. So like I couldn't figure out why, but I I actually uh, t- until Morgan, I never was personally threatened uh, for my livelihood and my friends um, by a candidate before. Apparently she called my best friend and said, 
I'm really worried about Amanda retweeting articles that are making fun of me <laughs> because I, just so she knows, you should pass this message along. Um, Arthur Schwartz, my um, comms director, he's really powerful and um, oh, he can get all of her movies defunded. Oh. And I was like, stop it. Oh, really? I was like, that's, in I'll pay money to see that. Like, I, I believe he said the same thing about plot against the president. And it turns out it's the number one documentary on Amazon. So I'm yes, not it like, is. I'm gonna sleep on it. Um, good luck, kids. <laughs> yeah, we made some good friends. Actually, we, we had some nice shit posting together during the Morgan Ortega's times. And I know that got we all the did. way back. That was some good. We haven't had good shit posting in a while, but boy, was that worth it. That, no, that one was totally worth it. I mean, I, I go and, and take pot shots at Vernon Jones right now, but it's not even worth it because Mike Collins is running away with that district in Georgia anyways. The polls are like plus 20 for Collins right now. It's just, it's confusing. Like when you bring up her and then people like Vernon Jones, like I can see them fitting into certain things, but not the America first. Like you said, support President Trump candidates. Like both of those people right there have huge red flags. They've said very disparaging things about Donald Trump and and his family and his policies, which is probably he doesn't know. Like, this is the thing you guys got to understand. It's just like in the white house where there's like, somehow you'd get somebody, uh, appointed to some incredibly important position like secretary of state. And they have no idea that the person spent 40 minutes denigrating the president on the campaign trail. And you're like, I don't, people don't change their mind that like 180. Like I, I, for example, I'm trying to look at myself, right? Like I was a super big Trump, super pro Trump since 2015. Right. Like my dad and I were like weird, like Trump fans in like 2014, 20, like literally my dad had been waiting for Trump to run for like years. Cause remember he'd always threatened to run and then yes. he wouldn't. And finally he did. And I was like, dad, he's running. Like, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> and like, we were like on board from like the moment one. Um, but then I try to, so, so during, obviously, if you remember the greatest time in political history, which is 2015, 2016, the, uh, Republican primaries, which was, I mean, both the greatest time in political history and the greatest time in entertainment history, yes. because it was just the most entertaining thing on the planet. So that was fantastic. But, um, at the time I was obviously very like anti Cruz because Cruz was the, you know, last, I think besides Cruz and Kasich, yeah. remember Cruz and Kasich, Kasich were just the wouldn't last. give it up. And you remember that? Wait, hold on. I got to take a moment out for um, uh, Comrade Stump uh, for the videos. Remember there was that video that was that did the uh, graphic that was Cruz and Kasich for it. It was spelled out cuck. <laughs> Cruz united with something conservatives united for Cruz and Kasich. Yep. Cuck. <laughs> and it was so good. It was like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of memes I'm here for. So, uh, so yeah, during that time. Okay. So for example, I was like pretty like, you know, rough on, I mean, no, I, w I didn't have a platform. I wasn't like, you know, I was a film student, like kind of hiding. Um, but I turned around on Cruz pretty heavily during the administration because a great deal of his, uh, team came and worked in the Trump administration and frequently, they were the most aligned on policy. They knew how the government worked. They weren't surprised by anything. They were very intelligent, um, loyal people. So I, I was like, wow, like all my favorite people in the admin came from the cruise team. Like that really makes me rethink things. And so like, I can get that, right? Like I can get reassessing 
stuff based on that. I'm still not like cruise 2024. Like that's not my head, but, um, I just don't see somebody who's as vehemently anti-Trump as some of these candidates, uh, are and were for years while they were in the Trump administration, padding their resumes. I just, I have no, I think that's the kind of person I have the most disdain for is somebody who will stop and, and try to slow the Trump agenda and then come out the next year and be like, I was leading the Iran effort. I was trying to do this. I was in, I was defending Trump from the foreign. It's like, no, you weren't. You were absolutely leaking nonstop, coordinating with the left-wing press, hated the president, making fun of him in front of all the careers, sent a letter to every career talking about how you can't wait to work for Joe Biden. Like it was like, I'm sorry, but there's a, there's a line and I've drawn it twice. And that one's one of them. No, absolutely. You make a whole lot of sense because it's like you say, you just can't, there very few people, Ted Cruz might be the exception of being able to make a 180 and, and actually buy into you know, the agenda and the policy and what the America first Rand Paul was not bad. I mean, look, yeah, obviously right. they got into it on the uh, debate stage, but that's because Trump's going to tear down. I mean, try, I, I feel that's my connection to Trump is that he'll, he won't ever let a good joke, like go by <laughs> just because it's going to totally destroy the other person. Ask Ted Cruz's <laughs> I, wife. It really speaks to me. Uh, but, um, but, you know, Rand Paul actually on our foreign policy and a lot of different things, I mean, they disagreed on certain things, but uh, he's been pretty cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys, obviously, I mean, look at Devin Nunes, who, again, like the hero of the whole thing, yeah. which you would never expect during the 2015-2016 election. It's not like he was on my radar as like Mr. MAGA, who's going to come save the day. Cause he wasn't, he just did the right thing. He just didn't lie. He did the right thing. It's just an amazing thing to see. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you make an excellent point right there. What do you think? Uh, one of the biggest issues after the midterm elections, and it's not the date of when Trump's going to announce he's running again, it's leadership in both the house and Senate. I mean, he's running again. Let's not be silly. 10 million percent. And, uh, what do you think about what's going on with, with some of the leadership? I mean, the proposals right now is Mitch McConnell announced that he's running again in his 82nd year of life. And then we have Kevin McCarthy who, uh, yeah, I would. Okay. Here's the number one thing I would look at a is somebody America first. It doesn't matter if they say that they need to get hard on the policies and explain to us what that actually means. We can't get, let these people get away with that. The other thing is they need to answer on the record. Do you support Mitch McConnell? Yes, that's one of the questions we ask. They're out. Sorry, but like they've, Mitch, I can't get into exactly who and how, but Mitch McConnell has paid off a handful of people that are very close to the um, orbit down in Florida or wherever. Um, You know, I don't, I don't really do that. I I run a film company in Alexandria, so I'm not like hanging out down at the beach, but sometimes I do. Yeah. but uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that have been um, paid a lot of money to ensure that the McConnell candidate wins. Remember, this isn't just about like Trump versus the deep state. No. There's a lot of X versus X. Like the McConnell thing is a really big question. Every candidate needs to be asked that question. And if they are pro McConnell, they need to be tossed out on their ass. Yeah, we saw some of that stuff happen with uh more recently in the last week or two with uh, Eric Greitens out in, in Missouri. 
You know, he had uh, Carl Rove and Mitch McConnell had been teaming up for some new hit pieces when he was fresh off of his vindication of, you know, that FBI yeah. agent who pleaded guilty to seven felonies of framing him when he was the governor. Not of Missouri. only that. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm fairly familiar with the Greitens case. Cause I like him. I know him. He's um, great. I really like him. Yeah, he's great. I love him a lot. And uh, I'm not going to be shooed off of people I know and like just because the media, I mean, I couldn't believe how many like supposedly like pro Trump people were afraid to support Matt Gates during his op. Exactly. They have to, they're like, they're so dumb. They're like, oh, the entire national security state pulled an op on our president. You're like, let's see, will they do that in a smaller way to some of his more faithful supporters? Probably. Let's keep an eye out for things that look like ops. One of them, <laughs> Matt Gates. Second one, uh, Greitens for sure. Um, they also, you have to remember, you've got a George Soros DA that couldn't be more corrupt, uh, had been coming after him forever. Yep. And now we see what that looks like in Los Angeles with Gascon, uh, which I'm super familiar with. As you guys know, my family's still sure. for some reason in Los Angeles. So <laughs> I am forced to go there multiple times a year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to keep your eyes out for what are obvious ops. And the first thing you look at is who is it against? You know, is it against somebody that's actually speaking um, organically on the issues we care about? Um, this kind of stuff doesn't happen to your bland, like known, like whatever rhino Republicans. Like you never, you don't get the operations on them. You don't get like some convoluted, story about like women and foreign espionage and blah 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 you don't get that on like rhinos you get you just get that on our guys so it's something i would encourage everyone to keep an eye out for like don't be fooled by the press and don't be fooled again by the press got them or you think we didn't have to say that anymore like like either watch plot against the president one more go. time refresh your memory <laughs> on amazon itunes salem or Rockfin. Rock um, uh, refresh your memory on why you can't believe the press. No, and, and we never are going to be able to because they're going to go out and say we should be assassinating Vladimir Putin and launching attacks <laughs> in Ukraine and stuff like that. And then all of our men. Yeah, and then and conveniently, everybody that supports the president is some kind of pervert that like <laughs> hurts women or something where you're just like, what? what? Like, that's a little too convenient. Like, I... No, I just, I don't buy it. Sorry. I know these people like, or I feel left out. <laughs> there you go. You've been missing out on a lot. All right. You, you circled back to the plot against the president, but let's talk about anything that you're working on now. We know you're working on the John McAfee thing. You said you got eight documentaries or something coming out soon. Give our listeners yeah, an update. One of them. So, so the docs, we, we uh, are able to, have in like a a a fund that's just like a one a one you know a very particular fund uh that actually people can invest in one movie or another if they don't want to invest in all of them like i don't expect you know mom and dad america to totally get the mcafee connection that's sure. fine we've got people all over silicon valley that are very interested in that and a couple of our other more like mm, foreign policy related ones um so basically, I mean, it's just that there's so many stories that I feel like need to get out there. I need to get out there correctly so that they're not removed or taken down or, uh, you know, or, or silenced in whatever way. And conservatives thus far, 
the only way they've been able to avoid that is to just put something out on YouTube for free and just call it a day, in which case, you know, you can't get sued. You can't, you know, maybe YouTube takes it down. Maybe it doesn't, but it's like, you're not creating an industry, uh, which is why I have to commend Daily Wire on what they're doing. I have to certainly commend the blaze on what they're doing, their whole revamp and the quality of the work that they're putting out uh, is impressive. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see some partnerships coming up soon uh, with my little company, which is obviously more of a little, uh, I don't know, you could say like more of like a art house kind of bends the line between politics and just regular content, um, which is what we want to do. So that's that's our world. And then obviously we've got three or four scripteds that live their own life as they are because those are such complicated deals you can't really incorporate them into a fund but the docs you know docs we can do clearly and they're all going to star cash patel apparently yes yeah and they all have to somehow star cash patel i get cash patel could play a brown -er john mcafee yeah i want to see him i mean maybe he's one of his kids he might not even know (laughs) wow You know, I would like McAfee's claimed at times that he has 54 children. Yeah, he has. I I would really love to see Cash do a dramatization and recreate the how to uninstall McAfee software from your computer, which is my favorite video of his. That's amazing. So. I get things. That's so awesome. That's actually, that might actually have to be a thing. Oh, thank God. (laughs) We've bounced a lot of ideas off of each other today. This right. is actually going fairly well. Amanda, last I, know. I, I, know I should it, be paying you guys. No, absolutely <laughs> not. We just appreciate the fact that you spent some uh, time with us. The last thing I want to ask, you stay in the orbit of politics. You you worked in the State Department. You know, where we're going moving forward, I, I know you're going to be working on a lot of projects, and, and you probably can't give, like, a concrete answer. But it, in some context, just for who you are, you have to be involved with something moving forward. I mean, I've heard everybody – going back and working in a future administration all the way up to heading the RNC at some point. Does any of that even like remotely interest you? At Who all? said that? The, no one said that. That didn't that me heading up the RNC would be like, okay, everybody's fired. Perfect. <laughs> now That's we're going to bring in like, it'd be the same thing as trying to create an administration. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, there are certain people that I absolutely love over there. Actually, I won't, um, hurt their careers by telling anybody who yeah, they so are. But I Ron McDaniel doesn't well. fire them. <laughs> She's yeah, I don't yeah, I don't want to give anybody like uh problems. But um uh, but uh yeah, no, I wouldn't go back into an administration. I don't even think I can uh after all this stuff I've said because I don't I don't know. I mean the, the unless it's like drastically different than last time and they have like they they'd have to have like the right guys doing personnel. And then I want my agency back and then i'll do that um but uh but besides that like um yeah no that's 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 all i could think of i don't i don't i'm not like dying to go work in the government again i think i like weighed 90 pounds by the time (laughs) i left like it was it wasn't good um um i just like like sort of where i'm sitting which is like you know i do movie stuff i get to focus on the creative and like what i actually care about doing telling stories that nobody else is going to tell and then actually the real thing that i do is figure out how to get them distributed large enough that normal people can see them it's not just about like throwing together a bunch of shit from like some guy you met and like 
this is how like the government is listening to you or whatever. Like you've got to actually like do like the real work and like actually present like undeniable uh, information. And so that's what I'm focused on. But in the meantime, I don't work for anybody else. So I'm free to just sort of tell whatever the truth is uh, to me uh, out loud all day long on Twitter or on podcasts or whatever, which is either like, a substitute for therapy or it's good because there's not that many people that like don't work for somebody, you know, there's not that many people that like don't have some third rail. They're not allowed to touch. I mean, I can, I can say whatever I want about anybody at any time. So it's, uh, and it's, it's not that I'm like into going after people. It's just that like, I see so much hypocrisy and, uh, I, I just find the whole political game and the Hollywood game equally funny. So I make fun of it when I see it. It's really not that big of a deal. It's like I, you know, see funny things and I, I say things that I think are funny about them. And that's it. No, you, you make 100 percent, you know, sense. And, and it's one of those things you're in a very unique position, too. And I think the way you call it out and the reasons why it's not like you just say like someone's a piece of shit and they're not this, that, or the other thing in politics because you just don't. Well, like I mean, sometimes person. late at night, I do that about my own personal life, but I try <laughs> to keep that off the daytime hours, but yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, but you know, when it comes down to it and, and you actually know some of these people and you see people sheepedly gravitating towards them just because they say like, Oh, I'm America first or oh, I love president Trump. And you know, Oh, look, I like the border. I went down there one time. It's like, that doesn't necessarily. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we're like, and then, and then the next thing they'll say is they're like, what we really need is like high tech border security, like drones. And like, Ann Coulter's the only one that ever said that, right. Where she's just like, yeah. And then they can take really cool pictures yep. of our border being invaded. Like yes. what, why? <laughs> like, yeah, the 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 wall thing really disenchanted me while I was in the administration. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was tough. Like I think that was pretty close to when I just went back to state department and kind of like closed up shop and then went and made the movie cuz like after seeing what was going on with like the wall and the the people that were working on this stuff and the lies that were being told to the president um I was just like, yeah, this is a bummer. I'm out. Like, I don't, I can't fix this. I can't fix the white house. I can't fix the state department. So like, I'm like, but a mere acting das, <laughs> I uh, will uh, go take my leave and make this movie and see if I can make some progress there. And you sure did. And, and look at what our government's, you know, boiled down to. Now we raised enough money for Ukraine in five days that would have built four walls, four walls. Yeah. It yeah, could, it could have been 40. We, it's not it's not about the money. No, it was never about the money. No. It was always about the people. And it was tables and tables filled with people that didn't want to see that happen. Well, so when you, when you, I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. When you see our border now, you know exactly what the agenda was and why it got gummed up and never finished. Or you just had so many people that were just like not following the issue. I mean, I swear to God, I'm like sitting there arguing with like ex bartenders <laughs> about how to like speak. There's nothing wrong with an ex bartender, by the way, but but like people who were just like, yeah, I don't really understand immigration law. And then I'm like, why do you work here then? Like, oh, you're talking about I, the state I, department. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like sitting there. I'm just like, so why am I having to deal with you? I do. I do. I know it in and out, unfortunately, because I'm obsessed with it. I'm not a lawyer, but all my best friends are the best immigration lawyers in the country. <laughs> so like, I can't help but like know this. 
uh, and I'm sitting there arguing with these people. Uh, the best one is when I went in at State Department and um, Mike Pompeo and mm. uh, whoever, I think Morgan was there at the time, I can't remember, but their choice for the woman that was going to actually be um, in charge of the border comms, right? Because this is an international issue. So right. she's going to be in charge of border comms. And I go in her office and I'm like, all right, what are we going to do? Let's let's deal with this. Like we gotta we gotta you know. Here's some talking points. Like da. Like we're getting hit by the news. Like this is all wrong. Da da da. And she's sitting there and she's like, I know. I just I just can't believe what they're doing to those children. Oh God. And I was like, what? Wait 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 wait. What? Like you believe the thing on the TV? And she's got like ten TVs. Like and I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. I just <laughs> I'm gonna go do what I do in my own way. Don't ask. I'm, I'm off. Oh, wow. bye. Going back to my hole where no one can find me. And uh, where's my vape? Things on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well, Amanda, this has been an absolute treat. We were so glad to finally catch up with you today. I know. You guys are my favorite. Oh, okay. So can we get an, so that's an endorsement, right? Yeah. <laughs> cash, total endorsement. Cash skated out before he can get one, but we'll have to get one an email receipt from Erica. But uh, we've just been yeah. officially endorsed by Amanda Milius, which is good enough for us. Yep. Uh, I have a feeling cash will be cash will be right there. Yeah, I mean, cash will endorse a cantaloupe if it's down at Mar. Sorry, don't let Adam Laxalt hear that. He's coming back next week. (laughs) No, I love Adam Laxalt. I'm talking about cash, poor cash. There's a lot of people. You know, once you once you enter the orbit of the uh, the solar system, it's hard to hard to get out and make your own decisions. But um, yeah, no, I am. I'm super in support of Adam Laxalt. Couldn't be more. I love the guy. I drive him nuts. He's cool with it. Uh, We're good buddies. I love those dudes. Um, Nevada's got to get flipped. Has to. Mm. Super important. Like, I mean, I spent 2016 and 2020 in Nevada. Like we have got Nevada is a nightmare and there's really good people there. And it's it's not just like Republicans, like there's like Kennedy Democrats that are like Trump supporters and they're just normal people that yep. all work two and three jobs. I've talked about this before. I mean, the people of Nevada uh, are really close to home for me. So I am. Um, I, I sure hope we flip that state. Yeah, we're going to continue working hard supporting him and his campaign. I think uh, Arizona, Nevada and uh, where else we got? We got a Blake oh, Masters. Missouri's, Blake's coming back on the show in a few weeks as well. We've had, you know, yeah. Eric Wrighton's on several times, and Adam just scheduled with us yesterday to come back on next week. So we're getting all those senators, you know, as, as much airtime as we can. I mean, I know they can go elsewhere and do it, but they seem to like coming back to us and talking a little shit in addition to the stuff that's going on with their campaign. So we always have a good time here. Who doesn't like talking shit? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I love that. Where are we finding you on social media, Amanda, and where could we uh, watch the plot against the president for all those who didn't hear it in the first hour? Uh, well, you can watch it basically anywhere where you can see anything. If you have a TV (laughs) and you have Amazon or iTunes, you can see it on either of those. Uh, if you don't like giving money to big tech, I would suggest watching it on Salem now, which, uh, is accessible on also all your TVs, all your computers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and Rockfin, if you're really out there and you're like, I'm not even going to use American currency (laughs) these days. (laughs) You can watch it with crypto uh, at Rockfin. Um, and uh, we've got Newsmax airing it soon. Um, keep an eye out for that. It should be on the schedule quite soon. 
and uh, potentially a couple other new spots. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't know how international your audience is, but we're going to have a pretty awesome international deal to celebrate very soon. Oh, nice. We got a pretty good reach out there. So well, we got a lot of downloads coming in from our friends in Belgium and Germany and Italy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. All so, on the list. What, hey, what, it's true social. Adam Andamilius, is that where you're at? Uh, yeah, Adam Andamilius on everything. Uh, Truth Social, uh, Twitter, uh, and then it's Amanda underscore Milius on Instagram, um, which I keep trying to teach my Twitter followers that that's where the pictures are, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they're not that interesting. So I don't. I guess you know it's not like it's like a Amanda Milius like Foot Club or something on my Instagram. But uh, I still am, uh, it, it, in, invite everyone to follow me on all those platforms and keep up with us uh, at amdcfilms.com. Could never beat a good feet pick, right? <laughs> oh, there you go. I had to do it. I'm sorry. I'm just... going on Wiki Feet and seeing if you're on. No, there you I go. I am. That's the joke. Wow. That's all. So am I. That's why I'm laughing. No, what's your score? Yo, wait. I don't what's know. Your... I haven't checked. Turn it my... on. What's your score? Mine's four point five out of five. And they've like, okay, Dang. I don't know who fucking made this thing. But they found pictures that don't even really have my feet in them. They went on my Instagram and found like these like rando pictures from like three years ago where I'm like, I don't know what. And they're like, yeah, that's a good foot. And you're like, how do you? Um, I have to look it up. (laughs) It's no, it's bananas. I once I found I found that I was like Googling some article. And I was like, what the fuck is How do they even know my shoe size? Like, so I'm looking. No, they're totally wrong, too. I'm like a nine and a half. I hope hope that doesn't disappoint them, but I've got like big old tranny feet. Um, They're not going to like that. (laughs) Buckle up, buckaroos. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, I can't even find the score. I don't even know it. Oh, don't worry. We'll find it and we're going to do a side by side and throw it up on all our social medias. I hope it hasn't been like, I know. What if I say this and then they review bomb me and then I get like a one star and I like. kill myself over like not not people going after plot against the president but like this like thing i didn't even know existed it's like the wiki feed and then they're like no she's got bad feet and i'm just gonna be like oh my god they think i have bad feet never like, what gonna do financially I do? recover from this <laughs> yeah there you how go I, how am i actually gonna recover from this? <laughs> <sighs> no i like think i'll be okay shit that we talk uh, about crazy. Look, if you're not on WikiFeet, you're not, I don't know what you're doing. Noah's on there right now. <laughs> I don't doubt it for a second. Not my feet, but. No, I mean, you're looking up other ones. Amanda, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say at some point in the near future, you will come back and join us on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, hit me up whenever I, I'm, yes, sure. You, you could just say whenever you're free and, and, and we know what that means. That's perfect for us. Okay, I'll give you the code word. Oh, there you go. This <laughs> is the producer and director of the plot against the president and founder of AMDC films, former state department official, man for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We appreciate you. Have a good weekend. All right. You see you guys. Well, mission accomplished. We did it. What do you think? Noah? Good game. Wasn't bad. That was actually fucking phenomenal. Yeah. It was amazing. So yeah, (laughs) I was really happy that we were able to get both of those guys on momentarily for, the same time and then the front end with cash and the back end with Amanda. It's just less CTV, but minus the TV. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to come up with a new uh, phrase for that one. Yeah, that one's not very good. It's pretty terrible. What wasn't terrible was that last segment. What is terrible is the World Economic Forum. Ugh. 
hosted the World Government Summit this week. What? Yes. Pregnant with all of our globalist friends. <laughs> and uh, the lead-in comes from the Glenn Beck Show. Um, we've got a couple scary clips from this stuff. It's just really blew my mind watching some of the videos and, and going through some of the articles, seeing how many people were there. It was attended by thousands and just about everybody who's who in... The who's who? Yeah, globalist politics. I mean, the, to be fair, like people, like not everyone there agrees with the agenda, but they have to be there. Just like Trump had to be in certain places, you know? Sure. But I agree for the most part. You're going to disagree when you start to hear some of the rhetoric, but before we get to that, let's hear Glenn Beck first. World Government Summit. Wait, I, the what? The World Government Summit happened um, yesterday in Dubai, uh, and it was the um, introduction uh, session yesterday. And, it, I mean, all the people that, you know, are the usual people were there. Huge crowd, gigantic theater yep. with very, I mean, all of the critical, important people. And it was kicked off by, lo and behold, Klaus Schwab. Here's what he said. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which Fuck will that. happen. Now listen to this. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems, and supply chains will be deeply affected. No, oh, that's good. Got it? We are changing things, and we don't know how that'll go. But we do know the global energy system the food system, and the supply chains will be deeply affected. Well, but other than that, don't worry about it. It's only food, energy, and how we get things. But other than that, we're good. This is the arrogance of the elites. Now, one of the topics, uh, their first session was, are we ready for a new world order? Nope. Are they trolling us? I think the reason why they're naming this is because, A, they they really mean it. It is a new world order. But they also see an advantage of calling it the new world order instead of the Great Reset, which it absolutely is. The new world order, they call it that because that way when I say it to you and you're like, did you hear about the global government where their first session was, are we ready for the new world order? Everybody rolls their eyes. Aha. Uh -huh. But uh, here it is, day one, World Government Summit yesterday in Dubai. Here's the first session, are we ready for a new world order? And we'll get to that in a second. You know, we have our own. I'm not ready for a new world order. I don't think very many people are. I think it's hilarious how they, like, try to rebrand the NWO that we've known for years, since it was, like, 13, 14. Well, and then it's basically just trying to make that... You know, they've been slipping it in. New World Order, Biden said it. Um, there's other politicians that have said stuff like that. All they're that. The old ones that, like, have been, like, they're not the ones that, like, you know, are in the time period to call it the Great Reset, you know? Yeah, and yeah. they're just trying to normalize this verbiage yeah. so people, you know, it doesn't it's sound not. as scary. And, and it's like everything, it's like when you see people just making fun of the most crackpotty of crackpot stuff that, 
you know, which our side, I guess, would would believe in. Right. And they use that as the weapon to just be like, you know, like anybody's talking about gun control. It's my guns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. It's the same thing. And it's like, oh, my new world order. But (laughs) it really is. But it's true. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. And if you think we're, uh, you know, exaggerating or Glenn Beck was, let's start off with that. Are you ready for a new world order? The extended clip. And you guys can only imagine those sound bites that he were playing. So if you Google or, or internet search world government summit, it comes up, it's got several different methods. You could look world government summit, world government summit, 2022 world government summit, Dubai. And all of the clips are just nine to 20 seconds of just like, you know, drive by headlines. So, these people can make assumptions and, and make it seem conspiracy. It took a really long time to find the extended clips of all of these ones, but I did. Let's hear this kickoff first. The title of this session, Are We Ready for a New World Order? Hmm. Well, the organizers yeah. here are nothing if not ambitious. This is, I think you will agree, a daunting subject for discussion at just after... 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning here in the relative calm of Expo 2020. Mm. But tackle it, we must, because I believe what is clear is that we have hit an inflection point. We are certainly living in a unique age of uncertainty and volatility in global affairs, whether you are from the global north or the global south, we have all collectively lived through the twilight zone that was the pandemic and the changes to our social, our digital and our fiscal landscape that COVID-19 wrought. Wrought. And just as the world re-emerges from the pandemic, we are faced with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which certainly feels like a transformative geopolitical moment. Coming as that does against a backdrop of great power struggles, the emergence of middle powers, of climate crisis, and cybersecurity challenges, the trend lines certainly seem to indicate a world headed in a disorderly direction. Is the US-led multilateral system created post-World War II to manage international relations so that the world would never again see and experience the same chaos and disorder of a world war. Is it anything like fit for purpose? And if not, what is the alternative? Hmm. It's kind of a side swipe at the Biden administration and their weak leadership for the whole Russia thing. If, if you were wondering what she was talking about in response to that. And then just a whole bunch of, I mean, she talked about COVID. You think when they mentioned cybersecurity that she's also concerned about where the location of Hunter Biden's laptop is? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they're going to omit talking about that one. Mm. Until we can talk about it. Are you ready for a new world order? No, not really into that idea. Klaus Schwab is. I'm ready for the new world. Over. <laughs> Over the order. Of the people, by the people, for the people. <laughs> mm, that's here and here only because uh, 
Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a sec. I'm look. okay with that or just zombie apocalypse. All right, let's hear Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, give his... Sounds, s- sounds like a SpongeBob character. Scary, evil supervillain. Nazi. And Nazi commentary on the matters. The world has to overcome not only the damage done to our damage. economies and our societies by COVID-19. Mm. It also has to confront the repercussions of a dangerous clash between major global powers. <laughs> History is truly at a turning point. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems, and supply chains will be deeply affected. How do you know that if you don't know the first times part? Because that's the plan. Right. The role of governments is more important and more relevant. <laughs> what is also needed is a summit like this one to go beyond crisis management and to look into constructive ways. Oh, I thought he said the Kaiser's management. Our common future. Right, not too far off. Our futures are intrinsically connected to one another so, as the profound challenges to mankind, such as climate Russell? change, are globally interconnected and require collaborative responses. In conclusion, oh. and despite all the challenges, I have a ray beam. we have to uphold our responsibility, which we have towards the next generation, and which we can only fulfill through collaboration on a national and on a global level. He's going to turn off the sun. <laughs> Bill Gates. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how more people don't just see it. Like It's crazy to me. It's fucking crazy. Like, like these liberals that hate Nazis, for example. Like you would think that they would have done their studies and their history and... Well, no, anybody that's on your fucking team can do no wrong. That is what mentality we live in now. Look at George Soros. It's I mean, so weird to me, though, because, like, like, like listen, like, we love I'm listening. our team. All ears. No, no, not you. Action. <laughs> Action. <laughs> <Asshole>. <laughs> I know. Like, here's the thing. It's like, okay, so we, we criticize our own people, too. These people literally, there is absolutely no, there's literally no criticism. It's like zombie fucking following. 100%. Boom, 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 boom. Like no questioning these people at all. Like how does anybody not question this guy? Well, if you start questioning the people on your team, then it's you're unraveling the the ball of yarn and then everything about everything True. starts to fall apart because everything the all the woke stuff yeah like it contradicts itself almost immediately like and people have gotten down into such a ridiculous level of things that nothing makes sense anymore nothing is real right and so if they start you know seeing this kind of shit i mean their heads are just going to explode because yeah they're not capable they're so they're far not. gone they're not they're not yeah they're not capable of fucking rational thought anymore but no, they're not capable of even like 
if they were to question, they're not capable of dealing with the repercussions of questioning and realizing what they thought was true mm-hmm. is not true and how they were lied to, which is scary. Well, nobody and wants that, to be lied to. That's a lot of people too, not just in this country, but like, what do they say? Four to six percent are lost forever. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you do that, like what's, what is four to six percent of eight billion, almost eight billion people? That's a lot of people. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. (laughs) Are you? Oh, you're not. No, I mean, I get it. But then, I mean, I'm going to do the math. (laughs) Just go back to the George Soros Anderson Cooper interview when he talked to him about his childhood and when he was hidden amongst non Jews as a Jew. Oh, he asked him if he ever felt remorse about outing Jews who were going to be sent to the concentration camps or killed right there. And Let me guess. He said no. He said straight up said no. Anderson Cooper, who's creepy pedo CIA asset himself, was stunned when he said it and like was like, no remorse? And he's like, no. Why would I feel remorse? You, you, <laughs> you literally handed people over to get executed or put in the furnaces or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. Got to roll with the punches. Can we, can we, can we get that audio? Yeah, you can find it. It's pretty. I mean, it was it was a major interview. I think it was 2014. But um, that's a bold. Uh, I, I, that's a bold I statement. Remember, I think I remember that. I I'm not like. It came back up, like in the last couple of years because of something. I think they were just trying to tie George Soros to like some other stuff, and they brought up how like stone cold hearted he was. Um, it's crazy though because like people don't even like look at the history of everything. Sure. No, I, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, they really need to uh, just take a look into the backstory a little bit. Like, do your own research. Build yourself a case. And look at who Hitler was, really. Mm-hmm. And funded him on both sides. Yep. You know. Yeah, it's, it's like we're seeing a little bit of it now with, uh, you know, the USA and Russia and the USA and the Russia-Iran deal. So it's right in front of everybody's face. You know, you have the Russian Federation spokespeople talking about the Iran deal um, and the negotiations that are ongoing with the United States and them. And it's like the only thing they see is like, oh, yeah, let's get let's get President Zelensky on some other bullshit soon. And like, I mean, Zelensky was out there over this weekend. He was telling people like the best way to punish Russia is to stop buying their energy and transition to green energy. Like, Mm. who the fuck is he to tell anybody like. Exactly, and then you know what? Even the Academy Awards, what yeah. was it? The Oscars did not even fucking accept him, but they did like a silent contribution to his ass, his fucking retarded ass. He's an asset. That's why I say ass. It's disgusting, it's and you, it, you know, I, I I was in Hollywood like for a long time and long enough to understand a lot of shit. So it's hilarious to me seeing all this crap. Like the whole fucking Will Smith's lap. Oh, that was bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it was real. Maybe, maybe Rock, uh, in my opinion, maybe Rock did not know it was coming, but he's a part of it. Sure. Of course. (laughs) And they, they clued him in after he got fucking. I mean, there was video after Will Smith won his Oscar of like his arm around Chris Rock and them talking cordially. That yeah, night, no, right there. No. But then afterwards, they both, like, he goes to the after party, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm going to cry some more. And, you know, Chris Rock says, I still don't want to make public statements about it. And then kicked people out of his stand-up uh, act last night in New York who stood up and said, like, fuck really? Will Smith in the middle of it. Yeah. Nice. They, they had wow. the lead. 
They had the ladies outside of the event. The the New York Post page six gals caught up with them after they were booted. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Chris Rock was like, no, 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 not fuck Will Smith. Let's not go there. And they're like, no, fuck that motherfucker. Like, he has no business doing that shit. He'll wash a fucking piece of shit. And he's like, no, nope, <laughs> got to get out, got to get out. But um, Will Smith is so fucking cooked. It's disgusting. Yeah. His, he's trying to, dis- if not anything, it's right? Okay, thing. listen, this is a whole distraction for a lot of shit that's going on in the world. The Hunter Biden laptop. It, 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 yes, exactly. But if not anything, it's a huge distraction from the fact that his wife cucked his ass so bad. Yeah. Yeah. To his and face. His I mean, you could see you could see it in his eyes. He's so broken. Broken. Very sad. Very sad times in that world. <laughs> I saw I saw a meme and it was a uh, it was from 300 and it was Xerxes. <laughs> and they had Will, Will Smith on Leonidas' no. head. And it's like, are you really going to let Will Smith talk to me like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> you have to send it to me, please. Oh, or, or the one that's like, take my wife's name out of your mouth. And then like the bottom panel is like his wife's mouth. And they like photoshopped like 50 hot dogs into yeah. it. So bad. <laughs> so bad. I have and, to send you guys this link. My friend sent it to me. It's uh, I will link. say, sorry to interrupt. I will say that she's definitely not in on this. No, she's just no, like, what no. the she's fuck? like, what the fuck? She's like, oh my gosh. MK Ultra activate. Yep. Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what happened, I think, with uh, Will. But yeah. Oh, they activated him. <laughs> yeah. No complaint. Oh, there's a bunch of Winter Soldier memes too. Oh. Because you know how they whisper the words in his ear. So. <laughs> Getting back to what do you think the words are? Our impending doom. Panera Bread. <laughs> G.I. Jane, obviously, is one of them. Um, Bald head. We all know that USA and, and the Chinese, the CCP, they're the biggest global rivals on the planet. Yeah. Regardless of how indebted we are to China in every way, shape, or form, at the end of the day, this will this will eventually come to the head. Um, Frederick Kemp, who's the CEO of the Atlantic Council, it's an elite think tank, brought up that. And they wanted to talk about how thinking that way is like the old world way. We don't have not the new world. geopolitical oh. rivals anymore. So we don't. Well, it's new global order. Just listen. Uh, well, first of all, let's take a look at what makes up world orders. Hmm. Uh, world orders are that uh, a group of countries across the world agree to a set of rules okay. and they agree to play by them. The second is there is a balance of power uh, so that no power feels that. Uh, it can subjugate a neighbor. That's what we've lost in Russia. There wasn't a balance of power. Um, Europe decided the age of military power is over, and, 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 and so Russia is attempting to subjugate Ukraine. But then the third part of this is um, a, a, a consensus that everyone accepts this. It's, it's almost too utopian to, to, to come about. Yes. And so what's emerging right now, which I think is a danger, is uh, a Chinese-centered order and a U.S.-centered order, and that we're breaking down again. Mm. And that's not a healthy outcome. It's not the outcome we want. Uh, But that gets to the economics. And that's what I wanted to touch on, because the economics are that China, I think in 2016-17, invested $53 billion in the United States. Last year, $1 billion. 
So there's already a decoupling. There's already a breaking down. And the question is, how does this play out right now? And so I think you're going to see, in an economic sense, you're going to see these two worlds, but it's not going to be that neat. I think you're going to see the evolution of regional organizations. And the regional, because it's so hard to create a world order, I think you're going to see regional orders spring up. And then you have links between regional orders, but they will be very much guided by economic interests, social interests, and also uh, security interests. You see things like the Quad, like the Abraham Accords, uh, so ad hoc, not, not inflexible alliances, and, and that seems to me what's emerging at the moment. Hmm. It's a little scary. Dosting. Mm. So he's calling, saying eventually the Chinese, the CCP, and, and the United States will be like outlying former empires that operate in a world of one world government-ness everywhere else. So stepbrothers. Basically. They're going to make bunk beds. But where where would like the like the epicenter be for like the world government? Davos. Yeah. You think so? Why wouldn't it be? They're already setting it up. I don't know. I mean, I heard it's quite nice. This right. time of year. Yeah. <laughs> I think the scariest part of this whole thing was is the last clip we're gonna listen to. And it's the uh removal of all currency from the world and the implementation of the Chinese system of digital currency. Uh, the blockchain and, and all that stuff. And, you know, just the way that they talk about it, it's like the digital passport, the social credit, all that stuff. You, you could hear undertones of it, and it's starting to get more uh, prevalent and close to the top as, you know, the years go by and by. They, they really had a big push for this throughout COVID and post-COVID, and now they're kind of doing their best job of projecting uh, as we head into the rest of this year. Let's listen to this one. Late for that. Uh, I remember talking to an Australian diplomat at one point about this break between the U.S. and China and said, you know, both sides are going to say, whose team are you on? Mm. And he said, our job is to make sure the question never arises. But the question has arisen. It's also scary. And so I think we have to go deeper. And it's not about the U.S. versus China. It's about what underpins a world order is always the financial system. Hmm. I, I was very privileged. My father was an advisor to Nixon when they came off the gold standard in 71. And so I was brought up with a kind of inside view of how very important the financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting mm. and introduce a new one. Nope. And the new one, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means no. digital. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, mm. which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital yes. money. Uh, but also, this new money will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private. But what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The U.S. is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate 
the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance to have a better life. Because that's the only measure of whether a world order really serves. Like, you really give a shit, bitch. Anyway, here's the thing. These They're trying to hijack to the blockchain. What? These people sound psycho. They They're, don't sound they psycho. They are psycho. They are fucking sociopath. We, we are literally listening to sociopaths. It's, it's insane. These people are trying to hijack the blockchain technology because they can't beat it. End of. And they know that the dollar and everything else is failing amongst many other things that they tried to accomplish in, in many ways, you know. It's so crazy just to watch all this happening right now. They don't want anybody to be independent of anything. So they're going to get ahead of every everything that they think that might be a threat, which is the blockchain technology and, you know, cryptocurrency and what I mean, and, look and at the ability Russia. to turn your money off whenever they don't like you. Well, yeah, yeah but, turn your you vehicle know, off, your money off. Your well, ability that's, to yeah, trade. That's another thing too. But at the same time, when you really check it, you have all your money in a bank. Mm -hmm. If everything goes off, you're not going to be able to get your shit out of the bank account. Mm, that's same thing. That's debatable. I've got some pretty well, soft targets for neighbors. <laughs> well, no, you're I'm not going to go to the bank. You. I'm talking the, about going to the bank. The like if you bank. go to the bank, go to you the know. Bank of my neighbor. <laughs> you know, during like the height of COVID, at the beginning of COVID, I had a friend that her husband was trying to pull out twenty thousand dollars. Okay. They have a lot of money in their account, and there is no limit on their account to pull out. They said no, and he's like, "What? Why?" For the first time, the, bank the banks have don't have their money. Yep. No, no, no. But here's the thing. They always did that because he has a very big business and he's very well off. And they told him no. And he's like, why? They're like, we, do, we, we don't have it and we can't do it. And he, he's like, what? Why? Sounds like not my yeah. problem. Yeah, no. And they said and, and uh, they told him like, no, we just don't have it. And then they would not elaborate. And it was really weird. It was scary, actually. So that made a lot of people think in that community, like, hey, shit, you know, we need to start, you know, carrying cash and having cash on hand and, you know, prepping, you know, like those preppers, like, you know, that people are like, oh, conspiracy theorists, prepper. <laughs> They're not so crazy anymore. No, investing in, uh, you know, stuff like gold and silver as well. Anything right. you can to, to keep yourself uncommitted to only being you know your money is somewhere not in your possession and i think is what you know Antoinette's trying to elaborate on and it makes a whole lot of sense what i'm saying is try to make sure you diversify in every single yeah. sense of the way if you can not just a checking account and a 401k because in the blink of an eye those could both be gone a hundred percent yeah no. no i agree oh joe biden's been making the rounds this week unfortunately as if uh his trip to Brussels and then presser thereafter wasn't enough. Mm. The uh, pooping his pants lately. My butt's been wiped. Sure has. Came out yesterday, firing on a few cylinders, talking about energy and gas prices ahead of the jobs report that came out today. 
No surprise here. He's blaming Vladimir Putin for everything. Let's hear it. Today, I want to talk with you about uh, the cost breath. here at home of Putin's decision to brutally and savagely invade a sovereign nation. <laughs> Fact is, he's causing thousands of deaths and untold destruction. Working with our NATO allies and our European partners and beyond that, we, uh, we're responding. We're aiding the Ukrainian people, both economically and militarily, while leaving the most punishing economic sanctions against Russia ever used against another nation in place and increasing them. <clears throat> Thus far, these Same, actions seamless. are crippling Russia's economy, isolating Putin from the world, and helping Ukrainians fight for their country and ease their suffering. But as I've said from the start, Putin's war is imposing a cost on America and our allies and democracies around the world. Today, I want to talk about one aspect of Putin's war that affects and has real effects on American people. Putin's price hike that Americans and our allies are feeling at the pump. Such bullshit. I know how much it hurts. Do you? Shut the fuck up. Do you, Joe? Wasn't it Jen Psaki like a week ago that pointed out to Peter Ducey that he... People of his status, most presidents, current and former, don't really drive that much anymore. Yeah, but we do. Oh, so that he's off the hook then? If if anything, that's more insulting. Well, you can't always blame it on Putin. Why not? And when you can't, there's always old reliable. Because if it wasn't the Russian incursion into Ukraine, it was. Oh, no, not him again. Uh where, where, like, what, Why? He He's so irrelevant. He didn't come out, but believe it or not, Joe Biden is blaming COVID for the high gas prices, too. Let's hear it. Uh. The problem we're facing with gas prices has two roots. First, the pandemic. Oh. <laughs> when COVID struck, demand for oil plummeted, so production slowed down worldwide. It, because of the strength and the speed of our recovery, Demand for oil shot back up much faster than the supply. Be honest with you. That's why the cost of gas began to rise retarded. last year. Applicable. The second route is Vladimir Putin. Oh, okay. Ah. The start of this year, gas was about $3.30 a gallon. Today, it's about averaging $4.20, $4.22. It's higher in many states. Nearly Lake a California. dollar more in less than three months. And the reason for that is because Just of... stop it. Just shut up. Ugh. Come on. Putin's price hike. Let's fucking hashtag it. And see if it catches on. Well, he would go on to elaborate and say, oh, the OPEC nations don't want to increase the supply because Putin's price hike means higher profits. Of course. Interesting. W wasn't um, recently, I, I believe it was OPEC in Saudi that like one of their oil reserves were bombed or yes went. it was saudi arabia's like a week ago yeah yeah interesting mm. Mm -hmm. and then uh with noting yes so instead of remaining energy independent and having domestic pipelines send oil everywhere including to other nations as we were we're going to do with any strong, mentally fit, strongly bull world leader, the beacon of light himself would do. We're going to tap the strategic petroleum oil reserves. Perfect. 
Yep. And completely fuck ourselves even more. If that doesn't I'm authorized work. the release of one million barrels per day for the next six months, over 180 million barrels for the strategic from the from the strategic petroleum reserve. Yeah. Strategic. This is a wartime bridge to increase oil supply until production We're ramps up war. later this year. And it is by far the largest release of our net of our national reserve in our history. It'll provide historic amount of supply. For a historic amount of time, a six-month bridge to the fall. Oh, good. Can't beat that. Is it going to be a dark bridge? Or a death bridge? Death bridge. One of the two. The fact of the matter is, and they've already played their hand last week talking about just buy Teslas. They want to get us off of any kind of petroleum-based energy dependence. Yep. So glad I did not fucking get the Tycon. No, I'm glad you didn't either. So glad. <laughs> I knew it. The Tycon? No, the Tycon. Like, every car dealership is saying they're going full electric everything in the next two years. And anything gas-related, even like hybrid, is done. Yeah, you know, And it's going to be worth in my opinion, because, you know, I study this stuff and I love cars. I've been in that world for a long time. Mm -hmm. That like whatever car that you got that is a hybrid, that is full gas. If everything goes full electric will be worth 100% way more than whatever you paid for it at the time, even though the premium was like, you know, 5%. You're right. Honestly. And then just think about the fact that you're not going to be able to be, like with a gas car, you're not going to be able to be controlled the way you would be with an electric Full electric. Well, that's why they'll just ban them. Yeah. Or tax you so much you can't afford to drive it. Well, I mean, EMPs and all that stuff, like anything can happen. They can like. Well, it's going to take out their electric cars too. Yeah, no, they can do do whatever the hell they want. People can hack into anything that is electric, so. Yeah, I, I think the real root cause of this whole narrative is that they want us off petroleum-based energies. He would actually talk about that and play his hand a little bit. Let's hear it. It's about declaring real American energy independence in the long term so that we never have to deal with this problem again. Ultimately, we and the whole world need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels altogether. We need to choose long-term security over energy and climate vulnerability. We need to double down on our commitment to clean energy and tackling the climate crisis with our partners and allies around the world. Nobody really buys this bullshit. No. Yeah. I don't think our, our partners and allies don't want anything to do with it. I mean, like, do people not know now at this point that the Paris Climate Accord is a complete money laundering sham. operation and sham? Yeah. It's disgusting. If at this point you do not realize that climate change is garbage, this whole, well, this whole narrative that they're pushing is bullshit, you need to reevaluate everything. And start learning, like, what's really going on. Well, and anybody who's pushing climate change and all the other stuff as much as they are, 
should be pushing for change that actually matters, where we're going to exactly. hold places like China accountable. And India. And India, especially. Yeah, they're they're way out of control. But China. They're the worst. India's the worst. And then there's China. And, like, come on now. Like, America is, like, one of the best countries in the world that adheres to, like, you know, emissions and and all these climate policies why are we the ones that are like advocating the most for all this stuff well because it's easy for us to destabilize our destabilize our country by weakening it which is maybe not a combined effort but more just like a bunch of people who are bad actors on their own taking money from china india china Saudi Arabia. Yep. China. A lot of the other Gulf states, et cetera. So that was yesterday. A little slurry at the end. Came out today to report on jobs numbers. Last time I checked, we were north of 330 million people in the United States. Um, last quarter, we added 440,000 jobs. So they're calling it a big win. <laughs> so big. We are still... 2.5 plus million under of where jobs levels were pre-COVID. So all of the jobs that they claim to be creating most likely are people either finding new jobs or going back to work or opening up their businesses that were shuttered. Yeah, I don't understand how they can get away with co- counting that. Because they're team one. You say it every week, multiple times a show. I know, but... That's the answer. They're team one. Yeah. Hey, listen here, Jack. America's back to work. Let's hear the commander-in-chief say it himself. And that means, what it means is clear, what is very clear. America are back to work. And that's good news for millions of families who have a little more breathing room. Millions? And the, and the dignity that comes from earning a paycheck. Oh. Just the dignity of having a job. Now it only oh. takes four jobs. And more and more Americans get jobs as they do. It's going to help ease the supply pressures we've seen. And that's good news for fighting inflation. Okay. It's good news for our economy, and it means that our economy has gone from being on the mend to being on the move. Oh, God. Where do they come up with these fucking slogans? Well, they have a, they have a dartboard or a hat, I think, with different words in them. Like, we're lucky we didn't get, like, America's Zizer. Oh, there you go. Taco salad. It's coming. Hey, yeah. I don't know if you guys heard this. Trump Tower does make the best taco salads, and, semicolon, they love Mexicans. Well, I know that <laughs> because I stay there all the time here in Nevada. Well, so you can vouch. And every employee that I have come across is South American or Mexican, and they say, I love Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, good. Massively. It's insane. Like the last time, well, not the last time, but the time, two times before the last time that I was there, uh, I, I asked a woman that was there because I didn't know that Donald Trump was coming in town at the time. Mm-hmm. He happened to come in like literally like I was at the floor below him. And I ordered room service and all that, and it was canceled for like three hours. Because he was getting his. <laughs> they had to like check everything. <laughs> so they said, hey, we're going to make you remake you all your food, and we're going to bring it back. And I'm like, I don't care. I love it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'll stay hungry. <laughs> I'm dying. But the woman that brought it to me, she's like, oh, 
I'm so happy. Donald Trump is here, my <laughs> boss. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm like, really? I'm like, you like him? And she's like, yes, I come to this country for a dream and he make me so happy. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that shit. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Like, that's like like one of the best memories I've had. I have from there. And then it's not even like I have many because I've gone back to the Trump Hotel, for example, and I've he I hear from everyone that works there. Man, they're like, this is like the best place to work at. Like they take care of us so good. They do everything for their employees. He hates when people talk shit about him. Yeah, and he makes sure the people are taken care of, so they don't talk shit about him. He tries to make it like a little family, but it's a big family. No, but they, but they're like you know, I'll tell you one thing, one more thing. Um, the one, the woman that I was just saying about the Mexican woman, she said that there, the seniority there is so crazy. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, the, like no one, no one can like like really rise above because no one is like changing. Never leaving. I've never seen young people. Maybe a couple of bartenders here and there and like bellhops outside. I never see young people working in the Trump hotels. They're always middle aging up. Always. It's, yeah, no, it's crazy. But I saw like a few young people and they're like, I, I talked to one and she's like, man, I love it here. She's like, it's amazing. It's like no bullshit, no garbage because it's all right, right off the strip too. Yeah. And there's like the, the security is like par none amazing like the when i was there when uh trump was there the they were there were marines that like were like inspecting my entire car coming in and out i was like yep come on do it i was so excited it was so funny i was like do it and they were like you know you're you're good and they're like you know we uh we have like full security here for the hotel all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> And I'm like, all the time. All the time. And I'm like, I love it. You know what? That's why I'm staying here after again. And, and it is nice to hear pieces like that, unfortunately. And without even Antoinette knowing, our next clip is Joe Biden talking shit about Donald Trump. Oh, good. Stop. And you got me. Let's hear it. To get America's fiscal house in order. Hmm. Under my predecessor, hmm. the federal budget deficit went up every single year. Every year, as I committed when I was running and when I got here, we're going to turn that around. In fact, last year in 2021, we cut the federal deficit by more than $350 billion. You almost remixed that one. In 2022, we're on track to cut the deficit by more than $1.3 trillion. No, you're not. $1.3 trillion. That would be the largest one-year reduction in a deficit in U.S. history. And it's particularly important now as we work to reduce pressures on inflation. That's what happens when you reduce the deficit. So here are the facts. It was the previous administration whose reckless policies and mismanagement led to the record budget deficits. In my administration, that's getting the deficit under control. In fact, I just released my budget this week, and it shows going forward we can cut the deficit by another $1 trillion over the next decade oh, while still decade. making prudent investments in economic growth and prudent climate investments? and other equitable economic decisions. But to do that, we have to be willing to do something previous administrations and Republicans today refuse to do. We need to make sure corporations and the super wealthy begin to pay their fair share. Shut the fuck up. Uh -huh. 
God dang. He just proposed a six yeah. trillion dollar budget. How are Tiny. they how are they cutting anything? <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. You know what is ridiculous are the poll numbers that have come out. And the only other piece of information I got besides our last clip, which is gonna be Chuck Todd breaking down the numbers for us on his show. What is it? I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Meet the fake press. <laughs> now, she teased this last year because I, I specifically remember us reporting on it and rejoicing. And then she took it longer than we thought she was going to last. But Jen Psaki today made it official. She will be stepping down from the podium. Oh, wow. At the beginning of May and segueing right into a primetime show. Seriously? On, on MSDNC. How convenient. Is it where people are going to call in and she's not going to answer their questions? <laughs> For three hours straight. <laughs> now, I, now I now I know I'll get blocked. <laughs> Matt, I'll block me. She'll block me too. Um, yeah. So that that's the only other news out of here. But let's hear uh, meet the fake presses. Chuck Todd break down midterm prospectus numbers. All right. When when uh, Bill Clinton and George W. Bush had midterms that went their way, their job approval rating was was right around fifty or north of it. All right. When you start dipping below forty five. You've got a problem, and you're going to have midterms that are in the bad to shellacking ratio. President Biden's at 40. George W. Bush was at 39% in 2006. We know how that turned out. So you see that's also in shellacking territory. Then let's look at the generic ballot. What you're going to see here is a narrow lead for the Republicans, 42 to 44, and you're going to say, oh, that's competitive. No, 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 no. And, and national polling is extremely rare because of the way gerrymandering has worked, uh, the way Democrats are packed into districts, you know, they have more 85 percent districts and the Republicans do. The bottom line is generic ballot. If the Democrats are losing, it means they're going to get walloped. Last time in 2010, Republicans had a two point advantage that translated to 63 seats. So in summary right now, you've got three, essentially three numbers here that all point into dangerous territory for the Democrats and the incumbent party. Presidential job rating at 40%, wrong track over 70%, and the Republicans leading in the generic ballot. Not a good time. But so there's that. And, and, you know, Joe Biden and the rest of the people in the Biden administration right now can go out every single day and unfreeze him and roll him out in front of the press and have him not answer questions like he did today. He told everybody there would be a more appropriate time to ask questions about the jobs numbers or Ukraine, and then he fucking stormed off and slammed the door behind him, got right in a fucking plane and took off to Delaware like he does every Friday. The numbers don't lie, and uh, the more that they keep just doing this, the worse it's going to become November. 100%. So, yeah, they're at that point right now. I don't know how they could just go out and say that anything— 335 million people in the United States, you're going to say 400,000 fucking jobs of people going back to work or finding shittier ones or maybe people working like three or four jobs at a time just to keep the lights on in their house and food on the table is like a jobs report success. Go fuck yourself. But that's not even accounting for the people that are not looking for jobs that are unemployed now because of them and what they have done, right? Yeah, they've tweaked out so many numbers. Like the equation they have it at now is regardless of how many jobs people go back to or fine, it's always yeah. going to look like a win for them, but it's it's 100% not. Yeah. It's never. A, it's just crazy. The media is always going to spin it as if it's a win, but mm-hmm. it's actually not. If you actually look and do your due diligence to look at the true numbers that are right there, like even in the media, 
they tell you but the media like headlines are what uh deceives people which i want everyone to know that are listening like the headlines are the worst because they bullshit everyone look at like you know like in an article for example you see a headline read the actual article and then you'll find more like that and it has nothing to do with the the headline for example and i just like i just had this conversation with a friend of mine uh a few days ago when i sent them an article and he was like oh holy shit dude like the headline has nothing to do with the actual meat of the article i'm like yep. i know it's crazy isn't it no and it is he's like dude he's like i've like he's not even a like a, a trump person or a democrat mind you he's like an apolitical if that is even a term and he's like holy shit man wow this is crazy i'm like yeah yeah you have you'll even have people who are somewhat legitimate journalists complain because that's what happens is in our advertisement and media-based click-driven news media and stuff like that. Like somebody will write a legitimate article that is, Mm -hmm. you know, heartfelt and they're trying to be true to the facts and everything like that. And then their editor goes like, well, that's not quite clickbaity enough. Let's throw in a something just, you know, completely just off the, off the rails crazy. And it's like, that doesn't even match what this article is even about. Yep. Uh, not and uh, not at all it's it's not it, it's really crazy and people need to like understand that they really have to not just look at like headlines anymore they they really need to look at the meat of like you know the headline and the information that is being given to them if not then they're they're completely led by lies yeah they're, they're, they're never going to get to the bottom of the story never. listen If you just want to talk about the topic we're talking about now, the jobs report, there's a loss of jobs report that's never really pumped in the news. And going back to October of 2021, we were standing at 10 million negative jobs. So regardless of how many jobs they say they made, they haven't met that threshold and gone over it yet. No. So it's, it's, you're still behind. Yeah. The jobs creation is just, you're, you're bringing back jobs that were there before the pandemic. And had nothing to do with his, you know, they said previous administration, my predecessor, all this other stuff. There was no, you know, fiscal uh, efficiency during the pandemic because you assholes shut everything down. And, and you know, once the Dems took back control of the House and Senate, it was fucking over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, the House before uh, the general election. But, you know, every time Trump tried to do something that saved jobs or kept the economy going, they said he was a fucking pathological killer and that everyone was going to die because he wouldn't trust the science and mm-hmm. look where that's got us come on our economy was not our economy was incredible even during covid under trump because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. of he the taxes brought, and the tariffs yeah, he brought everything back to our country during covid he used the opportunity energy was cranking and, during covid yes and he showed the people hey look we're going through this crisis and all this bullshit we're bringing everything back because we need to be independent. Yep. We are, we are the, like the greatest country in the world. We should be independent of everything. Why the fuck are we giving out and like relying on anybody? 
any other country on the face of the planet when when one we're energy independent we have some of the best people and on the face of the planet here working in our government and you know the greatest minds in the world we have all the oil that we need we don't need to rely on any single fucking person and he showed the people and people were not a lot of people were not paying attention i was paying attention a lot of people like me and you guys were paying attention you know um this is such a contrast that that was during the height of COVID, and i watched every single presser that he made he listen remember he went out and talked to everyone every almost every day during the height of COVID. joe biden <laughs> stayed in the basement <laughs> exactly it's insane and it, now now we are after the fact of like the height of you know COVID nineteen and all this you know nonsense, and we're worse off than when we were in the height of it with Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, where like anyone can like look at this and say, okay, you know, just like look at the facts and say, yeah, facts are racist. Yeah, uh, too, there's that too. Something is off here. But yeah, no, our our country was doing amazing during the height of the pandemic. And look at where we are now. It's not a pandemic anymore. Have they not classified it? Oh, I mean, declassified it. <laughs> I don't even know what the fucking term is anymore. Oh, it should yeah. change the status to endemic status, right? Endemic. Right. I, I know, endemic. But I mean, there are like hundreds of diseases and viruses that are endemic yeah yeah the flu. <laughs> yeah. well technically covid too because uh it is the flu now yeah joe biden got his fourth booster shot yesterday in case you were wondering oh good you're wondering uh, for that number and not no way yeah he did he, he did it on the fake white house stage and uh with a fake booster probably sure was and and we'll just keep an eye on that as we you know look to move forward into the weekend and uh we get back up next week Well, probably one of our best content-wise. You're not going to beat that hour of Cash Patel and Amanda Millius, tell you what. Nope. So, suck it to everyone that didn't get them at the same time. You know what you can get at the same time? The Steak for Breakfast podcast across all downloadable podcasting platforms. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and now exclusively... On Roku Players via the Patriot Podcast Network app. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits, obviously, to our amazing guests today, Miss Amanda Milius and Mr. Cash Patel, in addition to some of our internet friends, Cagbro88, Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Backman of Newsmax, and Tom Pappert, the editor in chief of the National File. Friends, don't forget to go and uh, throw some cashola at our partners. And the only thing that you do by accomplishing that is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. I mean, look at Mike Lindell's face. He's such a nice guy. Loves Jesus. Wants you to have a good night's sleep. Some people call him a madman. We call him the humblest of pillow farmers. 
Enter promo code steak at checkout on the website, mypillow.com, promo code or forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. Headphones, I love them, Noah loves them, Antoinette loves them, everyone loves them. Get your ears taken care of. The highest quality headphones you will ever own in your life can be found at Odyssey, odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook, find them on Instagram. Stay ready to gear holsters. If you want to uh, get a picture of Jen Psaki trying to explain that ethically there's nothing wrong with her leaving the administration and segueing directly to MSDNC for her new show, well, then you can get a picture of her holding her what the fuck hands up doing that on a concealed carry Kydex holster. StayReadyGear.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. Because when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, smoke it, drizzle on a little barbecue sauce, throw it in your mouth, num, num, num. Manrubs.com is the website, Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Pretty simple occasion for our friend there. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. The phone number is 619-870-6992, and you can talk to him on Facebook Messenger. Medic for all our first responders. The most fire IG of all of our partners. MediocreMedic.com as well. And then last but certainly not least, with a zero fuck stuck, dumpbox.us. You don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Perfect segue this week. Only one fuck up so far. Upcoming shows. Coming back on Tuesday. Shu Abdiraman, who's running a Minnesota 4. Rod Honeycutt, who's running a North Carolina 11. Heather Mullins of Real America's Voice. And Alex Brusiewicz, the CEO of X Strategies, are going to be joining us on the same show. It's going to be a banger. Next Friday, Vish Burra, Cynthia Kawai of OAN, Robbie and Landon Starbuck, and a campaign trail update from senatorial candidate Adam Lexall. It's going to be a good week next week. We'll follow it up on the 12th of... Uh, April with Frank Polo, who's running in Florida 12. Amir Benno, Newsmax contributor. We're going to talk uh, the Clinton lawsuit coming from the Trump administration and what does double impeachment mean to me. And we'll sit down with Myra Flores, Trump-endorsed candidate running in Texas 34. On the 15th of April, we'll have Kelly Townsend, primary challenger to Wendy Rogers, the spiciest local district in the country. Miss Christina Bob of Save America. And Daniel Bostic. Cash Patel mentioned him today. He is the first January 6th defendant who's being represented by cash and suing the federal government. Should be a good interview. We're going to get uh, his take and some details of his case. On the 19th of April, we'll have Luna Lopez running in Florida 4, circling back with Jason Preston running in Utah 3, an update from the Reawaken America tour with Clay Clark, and we're going to have Brent Hamachek, who's the managing editor of Human Events. They reached out to us, and uh, we said we'd sure like to have an interview. Miss Geisha Montez, fan favorite, will be in April 26th. And on the 29th, we're going to sit down with Amanda Milius' favorite, Mr. Joe Kent, running in Washington 3. Friends of the Week, heading into the weekend. Sublime and Slime, what I mean to say, Hugh White Memes, Edward Russell. The Duke of Memes. Grand Old Memes, that Southern Dude. Midnight Mitch. Huberto's 2.0, Mostly Peaceful Memes, Dumbass Photoshop, Silent Meme Jordy, Snack Thickelson, 
our new friends Hispanics for DeSantis, and of course, Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and next Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. A lot of people talked about doing that today. We may have given you some uh, juicy bits of information to do so. So make sure that happens. Number two, start a podcast. Because if it's time to edit with no time to sleep, you're going to look really pissed off like Noah does right now. Yep. But more importantly, let's see what happens. This has been episode 121 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Tuesday with Shu Abdi Rahman, Ron Honeycutt, Alex Brusowitz, and Heather Mullins. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Have a good weekend, Antoinette. Fantastic job. Thanks for listening and take care. I didn't think this night was what was in store for me. Wish I was chilling with my homie KT. So then I dropped on some Anthony B. Ha <laughs> ha!